five. Now this is most important, Rat. It comes down to making out whenever possible. Put on side one of Rock All Over You Podcast! Let's rock! Eric and Edwin! Edwin and Eric! They don't give a fuck! They just want you to rock! Yeah! Bam 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 Dilly D! Bam bam bam! so alive, it's a concert in your car. Spartomatic, in concert performance in car sound. The return to Meadowlands Arena, Friday, August 29th, the St. Holy Girl Concert Series, Judas Priest. Sean Scher brings you the final appearance of this year's tour, Judas Priest. Special guest, the incredible Crocus. Tickets go up for grabs this Saturday at the Capitol Theater and all Ticketmaster outlets. Sold out in June, now they return to Meadowlands, Friday, August 29th, 92 K-Rock welcomes Judas Priest. A message from Rob Halford of Judas Priest. Step on the red, cross on the green, never take a ride in a stranger's machine, and always make sure you're burning on turbo power. Judas Priest, turbo, fuel for life. It's 1986. Do you know where your children are? They're out burning on turbo power. Judas Priest, turbo, fuel for life. Do you know me, lead singer of Judas Priest, idol of millions? Wherever I go, in case folks don't know me, I always make sure I carry my turbo. Judas Priest's new album, Turbo. Don't wreck home without it. podcast with me and Eddie Canastracci. <laughs> Edwin, how no. are you, brother? Yeah. yeah, doing fine, doing fine. And you can still call me Edwin, and we're not going to... Good, because that's going to be weird. I was going to say, that's going to be weird to get used to, so thank God. <laughs> no, no, you can still call me Edwin. Although, Mick sometimes calls me Eddie. Sometimes people do call me Eddie sometimes. But uh, it's Edwin or Eddie. Yeah, but, and we don't have to change the intro and stuff like that. No, I'm still Edwin Canastrachi, but there is a slight brand change. Yeah. I, 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 it's because it's just it's a Google search engine thing. Because as some people know, I won't get so into this, but I'm also a screenwriter, 
And it's kind of like I've been kind of... I have these dueling kind of brands on the internet. And it it wasn't an issue before, but I'm kind of getting more traction in both areas. Like, my YouTube page is getting bigger. I'm on more podcasts doing the music shit. But then on the other side, you know, I'm writing articles and Final Draft and doing screenplay stuff. And there's, you know, this stuff coming. And it's almost at a point where they're kind of fucking with each other because it's just like, like, like if a producer came on and I, I want him to look at my stuff as a screenwriter, like, I don't want other things taking away from, like, at, like, like stories about me or sales I have or, like, I want that shit front and center on a Google yeah. search engine. But also on the other side, totally you know, you know, people don't blame want, you there. Yeah. So, you know, and you know, and both ends. Yeah. It's like I'm just trying to separate the two a little bit in terms of the search. Obviously, if you did any deep diving, it's all going to come up, and people will figure out that Edwin Canistrachi is Eddie Canistrachi. Yeah. But but it's more about, it's more about just manipulating the search engine a little bit so that my two brands are both a little more focused for who's looking for what. So right, and I know right. it'll take a few weeks for Google to kind of catch up on this. But yes, that's why on my YouTube channel, I am now Eddie Canistracci. And that's a little Ooh. more rock and roll anyway, so it kind of... It Eddie Canistracci. It is. It's like Eddie and the Cruisers. You know? yeah. yeah. Eddie that's from Iron Maiden. Yeah, yeah. So of course. I, so I figure, yeah, Eddie's the rock and roll name. Edwin's like the classier writer guy name. So that, that <laughs> that's the two... The two person... More intelligence on Edwin... Some yeah, I'm more guy. Yeah, I'm Edwin. It's a smart well, guy name. Exactly. Yeah. It's, uh, so that's <laughs> I kind of have. Uh, <laughs> so that's I have, have the same thing, Eddie. You do? You know what I mean? Yeah. Because like, yeah, well, yeah, because on certain times I am Mick Watkins, and other times I'm Dick Watkins. So see, you know, yeah, that alter ego. Oh, and speaking of yeah. which, yeah, as as we know, because you know what Mick Watkins did? He just strolled in like Rob Halford does when he just strolls onto the stage like a metal god. Just casually and awesome. Yeah. Give me a... I'm Major Fettel. <laughs> give us one of your... Uh, yeah. give, give us a trademark uh, David Lee Roth thing. Are you sure you want it? Yeah. No, I want it. I want it bad. I need it. Ooh, I like it. Oh, that was sure some reverb on that thing. That was there, there you go. <laughs> Thank and, you. Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Who is this I see in our chat? Is that none other than Mr. I Snort Whiskey, Mr. Mark Alden Taylor? Oh, what's up? <laughs> <laughs> great, great contrast. I love it. Love it, Mark. Right. <laughs> what's up? Okay. See, we're, we're, we're all getting drunk, and Mark's, uh, he's token up. Yeah. <laughs> Mark's like mellowed out right now. <laughs> He's like, I just, I just want to crew, I just want to relax and listen to some Christopher Cross. Hey, oh fuck! There man. You go. I'd be listening to some Ted Nugent right now. You know, we're here to do it one time, one time. You ain't come here to be mellow. Fuck that shit. I ain't mellow. Bitch. All right, good. Okay, good. <laughs> yeah, we're here to talk to... about fucking Judas Priest. I ain't fucking mellow. Priest. I ain't fucking chong. <laughs> so, uh, Mark, uh, along with uh, Vincent Kavanaugh, as I pronounce his name, Kavanaugh, Kavanaugh. Uh, we, we uh, went to see Judas Priest last week, and some some of the RMCP Army, you know, members of the RMCP Army know about this, and Mark posted a video 
where we're going to the rainbow and you know of course i'm at the rainbow a lot it's one of my locals i live just a few, you know i only live a few blocks actually from the rainbow not that that far from it Beautiful. but but mark this i was surprised this was actually this was your first time at the rainbow oh yeah it was my first time there every time yeah. i tried to go it was so busy and my anxiety got to me so i said ah, i'll go some other time <laughs> yeah i it was so cool i didn't realize that until the you were there and i was like oh wow i get to actually witness mark witnessing the rainbow the first time so that was cool and you know that's we, cool sound. he has a little video if you check his youtube page he goes up and i show him up where that jimmy page used to torture groupies and it's it's really cool <laughs> true story true With story his witchcraft <laughs> yeah well, yeah, yeah and his uh, little briefcase of whips and stuff yeah well, i should have <laughs> gave you a shout yeah. out mick because i gave eric a shout out when i showed you the autograph rat <laughs> oh yeah. yeah that's fucking neat man yeah Oh, yeah, we'll have to get uh, Mick, Mick, your band Wild Ride has to come out and play the whiskey and then party at the Rainbow afterwards. Dude, that sounds like a dream come true, man. We got to make it happen. We have to, have to make it happen. You got it. Yeah. yeah. And I'm sure it will. Put in a word guys, for us. Yeah, it, you guys seem to be kind of blowing off. I mean, you, uh, the videos are great. They look great. And you're playing I'll more and that. more venues. I was listening to that EP, uh, Gassing Alley EP today. Oh, nice, man. Sweet. Yeah. Yeah, I, I bought it. Yeah, man. Uh, Fucking awesome. Oh, cool, Mark. All right. Well, I'm, gonna yeah, the CD, I'm gonna get the CD too, so I'm gonna double dip. <laughs> so uh, this That's was actually. Yeah, go, go me. Sorry. Oh, I was gonna um, say that sounds great, dude. Double dip all you want, and if you want the CD, go to www.wildride.bandcamp.com. I'll throw that link up on the page, and uh, I'll try and throw it up in the description too. But uh, yeah, that up the, move, man. the link down below. <laughs> but uh, Edwin yeah, and Mark, all, all. <laughs> Edwin and Mark, why don't you uh, why don't you start us off with talking about the amazing Jews pre-show you guys just saw not too long ago? It was really amazing. I still think that best show that I've seen is that wow that second leg of the Firepower tour. That's it's really hard to beat that because of just because of the set list alone because it was all deep tracks and they played a lot of my favorite deep tracks but this is probably my this is second favorite time i've seen priest and they were it was great it's amazing that this i recommend everyone going out if it comes to your city this 50 years of judas priest you know i made the joke that it's really just 50 years of the bassist but you know because <laughs> <laughs> but but hey, it counts. So you know, and they don't want to say like, "Ooh, what forty-eight years of priest?" Because that's not that this doesn't sounds sound lame. as good. Yeah, sounds like some terrible. Right, doesn't have to say. Doesn't have the same punch yeah. as fifty years. So I get it. I get why they're saying it. And technically, they could say it because Ian was in a band called Judas Priest <laughs> right, <laughs> fifty right, years yeah. ago. <laughs> Even though they really became this whole different band with a totally different lineup. But yeah, whatever. <laughs> but it counts right, technically. Right. So yeah. I get it. But what's cool is... 50 the, years you, of the name Judas Priest. 50 years of the name Judas Priest. Uh, do, have you seen clips of this? It's actually really like a real kind of stage show. like Kind of like they did back in the 80s. More so than Firepower did. There's actually this... Um, they make up uh, Birmingham. like you know, where, Just like yes. Black Sabbath, Judas Priest is from this factory town. This tough, blue-collar factory town called Birmingham in England. It's kind of like the, the Detroit of England. And... You know, it's famously, like, that was a big part of what created metal, you know, was that, you know, bands like Sabbath and Judas Priest came from this metal-making kind of industrial town. So, it and they kind of pay, a, um, like, a tribute or a homage to this 
by the set. The set is all like Birmingham, like a factory. And at the beginning, there's a smoke, and they're kind of rising up, like the Judas Priest symbol up. And it's it's yeah. just a really cool thing. And I like that. And even a lot of the background images and stuff, they show a lot of shots of Birmingham and like smokestacks and stuff. So they're really like playing into the history of like where they came from and kind of making it a full circle thing. And it's a, it's a, it's a great set list as always. I love it. I think Rob Halford, man, this guy in his seventies, but vocally hits every note he ever hit when he was younger. And I think if anything, he's hitting some new notes. Like remember Mark when he's doing like some death metal shit? Like oh, I was like, yeah. God damn. He's like like he's getting he's doing that low guttural death metal stuff at times. Yeah, like I was I was pointing out that every uh, time he goes to hit those high notes, he goes down and just reaches up and just brings it forward. Yeah, it's and like, then he brings it up. Mm. Yeah, and it's like, damn. It's like the victim of changes I recorded. Uh, it's on the Freeform YouTube. Uh, you said that was the definitive version. I feel like that's a new wow. definitive version. I never, and, and they, you know, I saw them play at the, at the last Fire, Fire Power show. And, of course, I've listened to the classic. And, yeah, if we're talking, like, what's been put down on record, I consider it Unleashed in the East, that version, the definitive version. But I don't know, this one gives it a run for its money, and that might sound like, you know, sacrilege to older Priest fans, but I mean, the things Rob was doing, like Mark was saying, like, he was just like showing off his range, and it's like, if anything, he's grown as a singer. It's amazing. And it was just so intense. It was this ferocious, intense, dark version. All I can say is picture the speed and the energy of the Unleashed from the East version, but with the darkness of the original Sad Wings version, and kind Ooh. of combine. Like that's what this version sounded like, and it was like it was like a new animal. And it's like, wow, Judas Priest can take one of their classic old songs, and it sounds new and fresh and mean. And it was just blew me away. It just it blew me really away. Um, I really like the way Rob's adjusted his voice. Yes, he can't sing like he did in his twenties. But he, he found a way to evolve his voice to make it work and still sound awesome with uh, his limitations. You know, he's not like a Paul Stanley who's out there trying, who's not trying to change his vocal style to still work, but with his limitations, uh -huh. you know, Paul Stanley's just going out there sound like shit. Rob Halford's made it work. He found a new way to sing those songs and evolve his voice in a new way. I fucking love that. I, yeah, I bet he went to a vocal coach. I'm just, it, he sounds like he, down. yeah, it sounds like he really takes care of his voice too. He probably does go to a vocal yeah. coach. He sounds like he's, you know, he's healthy out there, living in the de desert, you know. Yeah, in Phoenix. he probably, <laughs> right. probably drinks a lot of honey tea, takes care of himself. <laughs> he's with some military dude that he lives with, you know. So it's like I feel like he's, <laughs> he's a healthy guy, Rob. You can tell he takes care of himself, and he looks awesome. He's got this really long gray beard now, you know. Yeah, he yeah. follows this Insta. Yeah. Which I do, you know, about his long gray beard, uh, and he just, he just looks, he looks like, and it's like two sides. Like, it, what's so cool about Rob Halford is he's both like uh, the metal god, but he's also like the metal queen. Like he goes out, yeah. <laughs> very, very, very true, very, yeah. He's wearing a very flamboyant, like golden kind of what would you call that, Mark? Like a robe kind of thing he's wearing. Uh, yeah, it's it's weird. <laughs> so, uh, somebody sent us some pictures of chat him and chat. Was that you, Eric? <laughs> no, I'm trying to remember who that was. I do remember that though. I've seen that. I've seen <laughs> that. Like, Ew, pretty why? disturbing. Yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so he's, he's got this gold, like, 
He's got this, like, gold kimono kind of robe thing, which is kind yeah. of, you know, flamboyant, a little Liberace-ish. But, yeah, he's got right. the long gray beard and this intensity that's just so tough and metal and just everything. I mean, that guy, he just, no one commands the stage like him. He's awesome. The band's awesome. Richie was great, and he didn't have a heart attack. So that Thank was great. Yeah, like, throughout the whole show. That's amazing, like, dude. Please, please don't drop yeah. dead. Please don't drop dead, yeah. Richie. And, man. Bringing up that, I actually... <laughs> Oh, you were at that show, weren't you? Uh, you were actually at that show. I was actually, at, right, like, I was actually at that show out in the audience completely wasted. <laughs> and, dude, you couldn't have, right, right. Like, um, you, like, couldn't tell, dude, because he was up up, up on stage just killing it, completely rocking, you know, and we didn't yeah. have a clue, you know. And then, like, from what I've heard, he walked off stage and the, like, EMS, you know, um, just directly took him away but dude, yeah. you like couldn't have given uh, me told because he was just a complete beast on stage. All of them were. And that night, to even make things cooler, Kirk Hammett got up on stage and jammed with Priest with Green Manalishi. Wow, that is very yeah, cool. that's hot. Green Manalishi, wow. yeah. <laughs> but man, yeah. Mick, why don't you? Uh, I fig- why don't you? Why don't you start us off uh, since uh, Mark and Evan got to discuss that show. What got you into Priest? Like, when when did you first discover Priest, your whole story with discovering them? Oh, shit. All right, my first uh, experience with Priest. All right. So I would have to take you back to, uh, I would say, about 03, I think. All right. Well, you know, let's take 03. um, I mean, but I think the first time that I actually ever heard Priest, of course, like, you know, I mean, like uh, coming up in the 90s, I would say it was probably on. uh, on uh, Beavis and Butthead, you know, of course, with the breaking the law, breaking yep. the law, and that stuff. But let's see, but then let's flash forward to about 03, all right? Uh, back in the day, not really anymore, but back in the day, I used to be a huge pothead. I used to be a big stoner, and I used to smoke weed all the fucking time. And um, at this time, I had a dealer of mine, and his name was Paul. Let's just call him Paul, just straight up Paul, you know. And uh, he was a metalhead in the 80s, you know. And um, he had this giant box of cassette tapes that he had back then in the 80s, you know. And uh, he knew that I was into rock and metal and stuff, you know. And we would talk about bands and everything, you know. And and, uh, he gives me this giant box of um, cassette tapes. And it had a bunch of different things in it. Rock and metal. You know, it had some kind of 80s pop and stuff. I remember um, the police being in there and... I think Wang Chung was in there, which I love them also, you know, but, uh, um, Wang Chung kicks ass, dude, dance all yes, day. Yes, they do. Amazing. They fucking rule. Live <laughs> yeah. and die, the Live and Die in L.A. soundtrack? My God, it's fucking uh, great. Oh, it's, a, dude, it's amazing stuff. It's yeah. amazing stuff. But, uh, but the cassette tapes in this box that completely just floored me right off the bat was, uh, Peace of Mind and Killers from Iron Maiden. And then Judas Priest unleashed in the East, live in Japan, you know. And I had heard of Priest, you know, from from the uh, you know breaking the law and stuff, beefs and butt and stuff. And I remember whenever like Rob was, uh, um, just whenever Rob came out, you know, when he told everyone that he was gay, you know, in the nineties on MTV, um, I remember seeing it and hearing his really shitty solo album. Was that two? I think. Oh, that's horrible. Ooh. Ew, right, yeah. that album. So really, that was probably the first experience that I had listening to, to like Rob Halford. But, yeah, so that's not uh, anyway, something so, that's going to get you into him right away. You, you need a little buffer. Right, I was that. just kind of, 
right. I was kind of like, maybe Judas Priest isn't for me. You know what I mean? So I'm sitting here and I'm staring at this tape, you know, the Unleashed in the East live in Japan. And I'm sitting there just looking at the album cover. And I'm like, dude, this looks like almost like Kiss Alive, you know, which I love. And I said, these guys look so fucking badass. Rob's got the handcuffs and the leather jacket and like um, KK Downing's holding his guitar up, throwing shapes. And I just looked at that and I was like, this is rocking. Then I turned it around and I looked at the song title, like Running Wild, The Ripper, Green Monolishi, and The Two-Pronged Crown, Victim of Changes, Genocide, and Tyrant. And I was like, these song titles sound evil as fuck. And it sounds like something I would dig. So I put the cassette tape into my little stereo head. And I remember the first thing I heard was Victim of Changes, dude. That man blew me away, blew my mind when we were up. Whiskey woman, don't you know that you driving me insane? You know, just dude, it killed me, man. And just from right off the bat, I listened to that song and I put it on side A right from the beginning and played it. And it was just on, on, you know. And I became a priest fan then. And then, then, so this would have been in 03. And then that was just right on the money, time-wise. Because then in 04, Judas Priest gets back together with Rob Halford. And um, I seen them at OzFest, 04. It was Slayer, OzFest, and Black Sabbath. And this was with Bill Ward on drums. And that, hands down, was one of the most epic. Yeah, right. It was one of the most epic concerts I've ever seen. And I'm going to keep it going. I'm sorry. But this is just such a great <laughs> story that i got to share. No, go but ahead. Keep like, going, uh, man. Yeah, keep going, man. Right, right. All right. Well, like, uh, you know, the show's going on. And Slayer comes on. And, and their first song in the set is, God hates us all. Oh, you know, and they're sitting here screaming this blasphemous, crazy shit, you know. And there's mosh pits. Everything's crazy. I was in the Slayer pit. It was fucking insane, and I was scared to death. <laughs> there were tennis shoes flying up in the air, and all. It, it was it, it it was wild, dude. But as Slayer singing all this evil blasphemous shit, dude, the sky because this was outside, of course. The sky is starting to go, starting to turn gray, kind of oh, dark, dude. And right, and it's almost like Slayer was conjuring this fucking evil spell, man. You know. And then after Slayer, Priest comes on, and the sky is just completely black. And maybe fourth or fifth song in, and this was their first tour back with Rob Halford, you know. Maybe fourth or fifth song in, I remember, there just comes this huge downpour of rain. And it was fucking crazy. People are sliding around in mud, mud sliding and everything. That was insane, and Priest completely killed it. Um, I remember Rob Halford... His screams were so just fucking... They almost made my brain shake. Like, every scream, I could feel, like, my brain rattling inside of my skull. Yeah. Yeah, it was wild. And then, uh, so, like, Priest... Brain shake, exactly. Yeah. And But then Priest concludes their set, and then Sabbath comes on, dude. And the sky went from uh, black to no shit, dude. It was perfect. Purple and black with lightning and thunder in the sky. That is fucking nice. crazy. It was amazing, dude. And once they started, uh, you know, what was their first song? Um, let's, let's see. The Sirens come on, so it would have been Generals Gathered and the- yeah. War Pigs, yeah. yeah. And when they started singing that, almost instantly the rain stopped. 
That's wow. crazy. It's interesting because you know priests. Every time priests play, they always oh, like the lights go down and they play War Pigs for what? Maybe it's like Rob's favorite song or something. I don't know why. I mean, this maybe they're yeah because it's it, it's not like a political statement or something. <laughs> now you might think because they did it during the Firepower tour as well. So I think it's right. just. It's probably, maybe it's Rob's favorite song. I don't know, maybe it's out there. I don't know if anyone knows why, but they always play War Pigs, and then they go on stage. I don't know what they it's were It's like Iron Maiden with Dr. Doctor by UFO. Yeah. Right. That's something they've been yeah. doing now. I don't know. An overkill with uh, the Conan theme. Yeah, <laughs> or Metallica with the Ecstasy of Gold. You know? Yeah. Right. Yeah, but it's interesting. Right. I always thought it was interesting. Yeah. Priest is using a Sabbath song, so I always thought that was interesting. Maybe it's Rob... All- Rob sang for uh, Sabbath for for yeah. a couple shows, but uh, right, yeah. yeah. When Dio uh, like it fucked off, got pissed off, and yeah, <laughs> came in. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think it's also yeah. maybe it's a Birmingham thing too because they're both from yes. Birmingham, which this show is like honoring is the Birmingham thing. So that's a also. And would you say that was your favorite time seeing Priest? Me? Uh, that, yeah, Mick. Uh, I'm trying to think how many times I've seen Priest. Let's see, I've seen him on that tour. Then the next time i seen him was on the British Still 30th, um, let's see, anniversary tour. Seen him on that one. Then Redeemer of Souls. And then this last tour, the 50th anniversary. And honestly, I think the best time I've seen him was probably on the British Still um, tour. That was they, a really good show. And they played the whole album and then what, like, had a... Like played other songs afterwards. I mean, what, how did that? Go? Right, I, I missed that one. I did. Uh, yeah, they they uh, started off with British Still, and then when that finished with the Rage, they went into um, Free Will Burning. Uh, let's see, Nostradamus, some other songs. It was a great fucking show. Yeah, and nice. of course that was um, those KK Downing's last tour, sadly. So yeah, so that's so. That's so I think that was probably. Right, and I think that was probably the best show I've seen on Priest. Okay, was that Mark, pretty uh, epic? Yeah, Mark, how'd you discover Priest? What's your origin story with Judas Priest? I think um, I was working at In-N-Out Burger, and the one guy uh, like always turned me on to new music when I worked down in the Lakewood, California store. Do you still talk to this In-N-Out guy? No, no, I still have other <laughs> In-N-Out guys I'm friends with. Because yeah, this in and out guy sounds like the most important person in your fucking life. Well, it was Sean, Sean and Dano <laughs> O'Connell. They were both like little leprechauns. <laughs> oh shit! Yeah, and they both started selling meth. So <laughs> oh damn! With it. I heard one of them's dead now because I still have friends at In and Out, but I don't know. The natural progression. <laughs> yeah, selling. So, so. <laughs> selling meth. Yeah, you get fired by In and Out and you start selling meth. Well, the one guy. Paid me a hundred dollars to work a double for him, <laughs> and then I got the pay also. So that was like, yeah. So so but, so so he turned you on the priest. Yeah, he said you don't know Judas Priest. I go not really. I, I know breaking the law and stuff like that. So he brought in uh, fucking uh, point of entry, and I heard fucking what is it? Uh, heading out to the highway. <laughs> heading on the highway. Yeah, the, song, the yeah. first song. And then I'm like, oh, this fucking rules. And I had a great stereo system. I had the 12-inch woofers and the 500 amp. And it freaking bumped. <laughs> I was like, damn, this rules. And then I, I went out and bought the Metalworks later. And then I got into all nice. the old Judas Priest and then started buying the old albums. Yeah. And uh, and when was the first time you saw them live? 
Was it I this? saw them live with at uh, Irvine Five Points with uh, it was a co-headline with Deep Purple, Ooh, and they cool. opened for Deep Purple that day, that night. And I was we, me and my friend were kind of bummed that Deep Purple closed, but Deep Purple was good too. But Judas Priest was better. Wow. Yeah. yeah, yeah, of course, yeah, yeah. Yeah, pretty good. And what'd you say when you got into it with a point of entry? Like, it's and that's a cool. I love that album. I think we all love point of entry. Yeah. but yeah. it's definitely yeah. not a typical Priest album because it le- like Priest always did have a hard rock side throughout the seventies, but they also had this darker metal side. And I'd say they always, especially in the late seventies, like a lot of seventies rock and metal. They it kind of depended on the song. Like, especially you got like an album, you know. Like, you know, Hell Bent for Leather, you know, or Killing Machine, whatever you want to call it. It's like, some songs are like heavy metal, some songs are like hard rock, rock and roll, you know, kind of depends on the song. But with Point of Entry, they obviously leaned into the the hard rock side more. That's It's catchier and fun, and it's pretty much like a whole album of songs like that for the most part. So that's the first time you're listening to them. Now, when you then listen to some of their other stuff, were you like, uh, did you get into the other heavy stuff? Or, I mean, did you, I guess what I'm asking you is, were you disappointed that all their stuff wasn't quite like Point of Entry? Or were you just like instantly, like, you liked the diversity of Priest and got into all their shit? Well, when I heard that, I remember watching Breaking the Law all the time on MTV. I just never, like, uh, scammed Columbia House for their, for their albums. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I scammed them for a lot of other ones, but, uh, Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. So th- I just started listening to it, and I got the Metal Works, the double CD greatest hits. Oh, so that kind of took you through all their different styles. Yeah, and, and then Painkiller came. Uh, yeah. I got that like from BMG. <laughs> yeah. By the way, this new show is very Painkiller heavy. If if the new, new tour right now, so if you love Painkiller, you definitely should check it out. They do uh, four. Not a fan they, of Painkiller. I got to tell you, I was I I like Painkiller, but I would have preferred if it was one of the other albums they leaned into so much. I mean, they do mm. four songs from Painkiller. It's very Painkiller heavy, but you know, I know a lot of metalheads love it, so that's probably why. Well, that's that's awesome, and Mark. Isn't the the first time we met was at a Judas Priest show? Yeah, you and uh, Edwin gave me a free ticket. We met at the uh, Microsoft Theater. Yeah, so that's the yeah. way. Yeah, that's the the brotherhood begins with seeing priests. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah, yeah. So and Eric, <laughs> cool. you know, hey, let's talk to you, Eric, yeah. my co-host. How did you get into priests? Oh man, so I I got into music at a young fucking age, man. It started with Kiss at like six years old and. From there, the floodgates opened, because from there, I was getting into all kinds of hard rock, heavy metal music, you know, from my mom and my dad. And I remember it was, uh, I had to be in, like, kindergarten still, or, or at least first grade, um, when I got into Priest. And it was, I, I was watching G- uh, Beavis and Butthead all the time on uh, on TV, and I had a couple of the VHS tapes. Um, and I used to love Beavis and Butthead, and they used to do the breaking the law thing, and um, one day, my dad's listening to, you know, his music, and he's like, uh, and I'm like, what are you listening to, Dad? And uh, he's like, oh, I'm listening to Judas Priest. And he's like, you know that Breaking the Law thing on Beavis and Butthead? He's like, this is the band that actually does that song. It's a real song. Uh, he played it for me, and I was I was hooked, man. I was, like, obsessed with Priest. And my dad had this thing. Anytime he introduced me a new band, he'd, like, he'd, like point out the album covers, and he'd show me the pictures of the band and the CD booklets and point out who each guy was and he's like this is kk um he's the you know he's kind of like he's got the flying v's always he's got the long blonde hair you know he's like this is rob halford you know just point out all the guys and i was obsessed 
um, you know, start listening to their music. You know, you got another thing coming, Living After Midnight, the hits. Um, one of my earliest memories of Priest was uh, going to Noah's Ark, uh, which is this big water park in Wisconsin Dells. And, like, my, whether it was my dad or my mom taking me, uh, we always went, took a trip down there every summer and, like, spent a weekend there. And it was a lot of fun. And the, the drive was horrible, though, as a little kid. You know, an hour-long drive to Wisconsin Dells is torture. <clears throat> And I just got a Walkman, and I remember um, the one summer I went with my mom, I had to bring uh, British Steel as one of the CDs I brought. And uh, so I just remember, like, you know, listening to that album, and it just reminds me of being, a you know, a young kid and, uh, you know, just being excited to go to the water park, being on summer break from school. So that album takes me back. Um, and I, I actually like the American track listing because that was the version I had where it starts with Breaking the Law instead of Rapid Fire where, like, I actually have a playlist on there for when I listen to that album because I have to listen to it in that order as I'm so used to it. Um, well, yeah, and I remember, too, driving back. I, like, passed out, like, in the car with my Walkman on. And I remember waking up uh, and Living After Midnight was playing, and it was literally exactly, like, uh, like 12.05 or something, and I just thought it was the coolest thing. And the next year, I went with my dad, and he brought Point of Entry... And to me, that's just like a, a ultimate summer album. Um, yeah. And I just remember, man, like listening to Desert Plains and just like all throughout, like, you know, all throughout that, you know, that weekend, every time I was at the water park, you know, going on all these water slides, swimming and all this and that, I just had Desert Plains stuck in my head that whole trip. And all I kept thinking about was like, I love it here, but man, I can't wait to, to get back in the car and like hear that song again. I was just so obsessed. It was so cool. I love the part where, you know, he says Wild Mountain Thunder and they do the drums and it sounds like thunder. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, that was a fun trip. I just remember, I remember going down the water slide and, you know, like, you gotta have a maximum amount of people in, like, a tube or something for some rides and so sometimes you get, like, a stranger with you and I remember this real cute, <laughs> this real cute girl, like, got into, like, our, uh, our thing, I was like in, you know, probably like, I think I was like in third grade or something, this really gorgeous looking chick, like had to ride with us, and I was like, yeah, you know, so, brings back some good memories, man, you know, and yeah, I just, I, I've been obsessed with Jesus Priest forever, man, and, uh, they, I got into Iron Maiden first, but Jesus Priest quickly, like, kind of eclipsed them, you know, and I still feel, <clears throat> if, you know, I feel Jesus Priest puts out more consistent material, they just stay more true to who they are, you know, whereas Iron Man's kind of just gotten bloated and pretentious. I really feel, you know, you swap album covers, I think uh, Juice Priest is the bigger band, uh, like, popularity-wise, you know, on you know, in the mainstream. But yeah, I, I love okay. Priest, man. Still listen to their music all the time. Love them. Yeah, Edwin, nice. how about you, man? How'd you get into Juice Priest? I'm not, it's funny because I'm such a huge Priest fan now. But I am very, very late to the party with Priest. Uh, no it's sometimes about timeline. Yeah, I talk a little bit about this in my uh, Judas Priest two-part uh, discography review that I did a couple years back in YouTube. But it's when I heard, like, I was at the age, you know, I was like junior high in the very early 90s, you know, and, uh, you know, no one was really talking about Priest, you know, all my metalhead hmm. friends. It was all about... Like, uh, hard rock, rootsy bands, like Guns N' Roses, you know, Aerosmith and ACDC were having big comebacks, and Thrash. It was all about Thrash, Metallica, Anthrax, all those bands. 
And yep. so, like, you know, ram it down. Like, I don't even remember that album being out. You know, it, it wasn't even shown that much on Headbangers Ball. Like, so that was not a thing when I got into it. But Painkiller was a big thing. Suddenly Painkiller came out, and that, I get, I might have, to be honest, I don't really recall. It's possible I heard you got another thing coming, like, or saw the video on MTV, but I don't really remember. All I remember is Painkiller suddenly metalheads were talking about this older band judas priest again so that was like a comeback album for them and i remember watching the premiere of that video with my metalhead buddies and they all loved it i gotta tell you at the time i i loved the music but i could not get into rob's vocals back then now he's one of my favorite singers it's a little like what ian wadley said about like uh, bobby blitz from overkill mm-hmm. and, and this is yeah. too keep in mind this is painkiller rob you know what I mean? Right. So this is like, he's really singing in an extreme, piercing voice, you know? Right. If I had heard some of his earlier stuff, I feel like that might, I could have got into that. But my ears were just, it was too metal for me. I was not, you know, because even like those thrash singers sang in a kind of lower, punk, more punk rock kind of way, grittier and growlier. Like, so my ears were used to that. Or just more raspy kind of singing, bluesier kind of singing. Like, I just, that shrieking was, I was just like, what the fuck's this? And I, and I <laughs> like, on a technical level, I was impressed. I was like, oh, obviously this guy's an amazing singer. But, no, the, this is too much for me. <laughs> this is just too yeah. fucking metal. Too metal <laughs> for my young virgin ears. And I was a virgin at the time. <laughs> so, oh, man. Too, too, much. <laughs> too much. Too much. I couldn't deal with it. I couldn't deal with it. And I was like, I don't know. I can't. And my friends were like, this is awesome. This is awesome. It's like, ah, too much. Too much. Uh, I can't do it. And then a couple... So I didn't get that. And my friend played me Painkiller. I was like, nah, don't like that singer. I can't get into it. Too much. <laughs> and then a couple of years later... Of course, Beavis and Butthead, Breaking the Law. I was like, you know, yeah. and then I gotta say, I thought it was a little, it was funny, but I didn't really take it seriously. I was like, yeah. oh yeah, that's, that's kind of silly. You know, so I thought of Judas <laughs> Priest as kind of silly. You know, to be honest. And man, was I fucking wrong. I was really fucking <laughs> wrong. My, when I finally got right, it's like someone that has not, like, you know, I needed someone to show me the way. Like, I needed, like, like a sinner that needs religion. <laughs> I, I, I just could not get into Priest. It was uh, around probably the same time as you, Mick. It was, like, the early 2000s. It's, it was actually a good okay. time because it was, like, when those, like, remasters were out. And there was, like, a whole series yep. of remasters. I, I was already a big Motorhead fan. Like, it's funny because, to me, like, the equivalent of Painkiller... Where it worked for me was the 1916 album for Motorhead in 1991. Mm-hmm. That totally did it for me. It's funny because I was like, rules. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, it's funny because it's yeah. like the reverse. Like all my metalhead friends loved Painkiller and it got them into Judas Priest, and I was like, no. And then the following year, I get 1916 and go, oh my god, it's Motorhead group, and everyone else is like, eh. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I'm a, I'm alone in the Motorhead thing. But again, because it, it Lemmy's the opposite of Rob Halford. He had a low, growly voice. voice. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. Oh, that, that, that worked for me. That worked for me. I yeah. was cool with that. So I was on the other end of the spectrum. So, but the thing is, over the years, you know, I got more and more into Motorhead. And <clears throat> the early uh, 2000s, uh, the, the O's, the early O's, now we had the internet, you know? We yeah. didn't have the internet. That's the thing, too. It's like back in the early 90s, you heard an album or saw a video on MTV, and that was pretty much you judged a band based on a song or two, you right. know? 
It, whereas now with the internet, you could do the deep dive, which, you know, we all still do to this day. Like, you could go and just sample everything. Yeah. And as a motorhead and my love of motorhead and getting more and more into them over the years, I start, I suddenly got into the new wave of British heavy metal. I'll be honest, Ooh. I didn't even know about that shit before the I internet. I love that. Because you know? yeah. I'm from a different generation than a lot of the older guys. I didn't guys. know about that shit either. Yeah, like I, so it was like the internet. So I started doing the deep dive. And when I started to get into the new wave of British heavy metal, and that's when I started to listen to like early Maiden, which I never, I never listened to Paul Diano Maiden before the early 2000s. Life-changing. It was life-changing. <laughs> so it was part of that wave. And I think it was during that period that I got British Steel. As I all British Steel is like a 1980 new wave of British heavy metal kind of peak album, you know? Mm-hmm. So I got that. And it's suddenly, suddenly my eardrums were working properly. <laughs> <laughs> well, now were you, have you gotten, did you get laid at this point? By this right. point, okay, I've laid many times. <laughs> there you go. Yep, that's that, what it was. That's what did it for you, dude. Yeah, it's my, a stink finger. Yeah. That, my ears were no longer virgins. <laughs> now I was ready. I did not, my ears did not have homosexual panic upon hearing <laughs> and the grinder. Yeah, yeah. They were, they, they were they were secure in their sexuality, so they just yeah. listened to the man with no prejudice. And and you know, listening to Rob Halford's voice was amazing. And some way I could get into it. Plus, on that album, mm-hmm. he does do a lot of lower growlier stuff. And I saw the whole range. It wasn't like Painkiller where right. it's nonstop piercing vocals. I want to talk about that too. Uh, once you're finished, about the the vocal change from the '70s to British Steel. Yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, and that's the thing too. I think actually, even back then, like I know now, like it's what I said. Like I I rejected Kiss in the late '80s because my first album was Hot in the Shade, and I was oh, Yeah, I, I don't blame you. Kiss fan now. I listened to them, uh, and I was I, like, I got Hot in the Shade, and then I listened to it, ugh. and I was like, oh, I guess everyone's right. Kiss does suck. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas if it was like Creatures yeah. of the Night, or like, you know, I if I if Creatures of the Night was like my first Kiss album, I would have got into it, you know, but it yeah. wasn't. And the same with Judas Priest. Like, I just don't think Painkiller was the right album for where I was at that point in my music education, my heavy metal education. Whereas I think something like, I think actually some of their later 70s albums, like Sin After Sin, or um, Hell Bent for Leather, or some of their early early 80s stuff, like Screaming, or British Steel, <laughs> or even Point of Entry. Uh, especially because I'm, mm-hmm. yeah, I was a big ACDC fan, so Point of Entry actually would have been a really good gateway album for me. That, that was my That would have been perfect. Yeah, that so was my I just... Gateway. I just didn't have the right gateway album at the time, but then I discovered it much later. You know, and by this point, I'm in like you know my twenties, and so it's kind of odd. Like, but yeah, I'm a guy in my twenties getting into Judas Priest for the first time. But man, once I got into it, I was like <clears throat> all in. I had acquired the taste for the priest. Rob Halford quickly became <laughs> my favorite vocalist, and you know, within a couple of years, I had all their albums. I was a big fan, you know, and you know, it took me a few years though. I didn't finally get to see them. I've seen them now three times, but uh, I saw them cool. two times on the fi- Firepower uh, tour, and then the most recent show. So the Firepower was the first time I saw Priest live. But man, great, amazing show! I know Ralphier does not consider that official true Priest, but. Um, and I kind of agree with him. It probably isn't. It's to me, it's Rob's priest the same way KK's priest is KK's priest. But you know, uh, <laughs> but, but hey, I love Does both. Ian get to say? 
Yeah, yeah, he has to say, and you know, and I know he 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 was he's a founding member. He's more of a founding member than Rob, actually. He was yeah, there. yeah. <laughs> he's the reason why Rob's in that band, and you know, he's right. married to Rob's sister, and I suspect that's why Ian's the only original member still in the band. And Rob's married, uh, <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Rob's dating uh, Ian's uh, brother. Yeah, just kidding. Just kidding. No, no, no. I love Bob Alford. He's like uh, animated. Yeah. So what were what were you asking, Mick? Oh, I I was gonna ask. I was like, who actually started Judas Priest? Uh, No one that's actually in Judas Priest. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Right. It's really weird. Dude with the afro. (laughs) Yeah. They had another band. There was another band with that name. More of a kind of experimental right. blues rock, rootsy blues rock band. Ian Hill joins the ba- that band, and then was he, Al Atkins was Al Atkins the singer then? Yeah, and then and then um uh and then then he brought in KK, and uh, KK was in there before Rob. Uh, yeah, Ian brings in KK, and then Ian brings in Rob. So so Ian is a very important member. And no disrespect to Ian Hill. I make jokes. He's an amazing bassist. And man, he was you know, me and Mark were talking about how awesome he is back there thrashing about. You know, yeah. right. Awesome. He should be up He's... front. He should stop standing next to the drummer and go out there and move, man. Yeah, he he looks be Juan Crucier. Get up there, man. He looks, he looks Rob. Maybe not that pumping his Maybe bass not that and shit. Yeah, he's yeah. still pumping his bass. And he's amazing. He's cool. <laughs> And I guess, yeah. but but you know, obviously, when you think of Judas Priest, they're not like, uh, with maybe the exception of like Point of Entry, they're not really a bass heavy band. You think of them more yeah. no, no. the, the the guitars and, and, and how yeah. and Halford's voice. So you know, th- those are the things right. that stick out most. So I get it, but yeah, it's kind of weird, especially when you read. I read uh, Rob's uh, autobiography, which is great. I highly recommend it to anyone to read it. I still but, gotta get a copy of it. Yeah, it's great, and he kind of breaks down. He kind of breaks down the co- very complicated origins of Judas Priest, but it's very complicated. Essentially, it was a different band with that name, but Ian mm-hmm. Hill was the Rosetta Stone kind of of these two mm-hmm. bands. That he kind of right. bridged these two bands that kind of slowly became this other band. And so, I mean, in a lot of ways, I do consider rock and roll really the beginning of what we all think of Judas Priest. And that, yeah. that lineup, I consider yeah. the real original lineup. The other thing's more of a precursor. It's kind of like how Motorhead, you know, on, on parole has this other lineup, you yeah. know? It's, it's like, I don't really think of that as the original Motorhead. I kind of think of it as a precursor yeah. to... The classic right. lineup, you know, that's how I think of it. So I think of <clears throat> the rock and roll lineup is the real beginning of Judas Priest, and everything else was just like a um, precursor, what they call like proto metal. It's like proto priest. That's how I think of it, anyway. So, I like it. That's good. Proto priest. Yeah. Now, uh, I, I want to talk about two. Uh, I'll kind of bridge both these together because um, I was talking about Rob's vocal style, how you know you Edwin were talking about how British Steel he kind of holds back a lot. I noticed with 70s Priest, you know, he's really just like, he's really like, you know, scream, like doing all those real high screams and everything, but his voice, he's singing in that more mid-range, it sounds different, whereas in the 80s, he kind of got like a more like, you know, grittier sound to his like normal singing voice. Um, I noticed, you know, with British Steel and Point of Entry, they kind of... 
I want to say dumbed down their sound because those are great songs, but they kind of simplified things. They weren't doing real complex right. stuff. They're kind of taking a page from, uh, you know, ACDC with those albums <laughs> and kind of like, you know, going to the yeah. basics. Yeah. And I think that really helped Rob's voice uh, by the time Scream for Vengeance came out because when he wasn't relying on like the real high, you know, operatic screams, it really challenged him to um, develop like a you know, his normal singing style, so he had more character, more grit to that style that when Scream for Vengeance came along, he's going back to that, you know, he's going back to those operaic, like, screams. He blended that with his new style of singing, and, like, that's when his voice came to full form, but... Yeah, yeah. What I'm yeah, saying with yeah, that I can is... Say that. What I'm saying with that is, um, which do you guys prefer, 70s priest or 80s priest? Ooh. That's uh, a good I definitely... Question there. Like you, go, you, you, go first, you go first, Mick. Oh, shit. Oh, put me on the hot spot. Yeah. All right, well, really? <laughs> I, I, would, I would guess oh. 80s for you, Mick. Uh, well, you seem like an 80s guy. Thing. Yeah, but see, the uh, thing is, with both eras, I really love the tail end of one and the beginning of one. So my era, my favorite era of Priest would be kind of more like stained class through, I guess, it's to finish the faith. You know what I mean? You know, I mean, um, to me, that kind of right nice. there is the golden era of Priest. And, you know, they're almost two different bands, you know. And then bringing up Rob's voice, you know, like one of the things that he did back in the day, he used to use like this, really didn't use this a lot, but he used like this really kind of cool, uh, bluesy kind of vocal styling, you know, like he would go, uh, I don't know if I can actually do it justice or not. <laughs> but he, uh, you give me evil fantasy. I was just gonna say. Fantasy. You know, I was gonna say you mean like evil fantasies and then evil have... fantasies. Yeah, like there's that, and it's on, on another song too. I think I can't really remember what it is, but I, I love that, and I think that was the last appearance of that style of vocal. And like you were uh, um, saying, Eric, later on in the '80s, British still in point of. Uh, he kind of streamlined his voice. So, but with that being said, man, seventies or eighties, that's tough. I agree. It does kind of fold over. It's a little like ACDC, like a lot of these bands. Like the late seventies and early eighties are their peak. It's like both. It kind of in Motorhead's the same way. Like it kind of folds into each other. But right, if you right. had to so, pick, but if you had to pick, yeah, you well, have to, to pick, pick one. Drop gonna... your head. <laughs> right. Uh, I'm gonna go with early '80s Priest, British Still, through Defenders. Yeah. All right. Okay. Cool. Okay. Right on. What about, about you, Mark? you, Mark? I would go from Point of Entry to uh, Defenders. So okay. '80s. Yeah. Ooh, right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Man, what, what about you, Eric? Man, as it it goes back and forth a lot, and I think it's hard because the '80s they they started really good, but then you know you get Turbo and all this, and it kind of went down. Um, so it's yeah. kind of unfair, but then in the 70s, they started Rock and Roll, which, you know, not a bad album, but it's definitely not, it really doesn't sound like Priest. Uh, but no. as of now, man, I gotta go with 70s, because you got Unleashed in the East, which is probably my favorite Priest album, uh, yeah, you know, yeah. including live albums. And, uh, you know, you got Sad Wings of Destiny, which is probably, as of now, like my second favorite studio album after British Steel, and you got, you know, Stained Class, which is amazing. I love that 70s stuff, man. I love how primitive it sounds, like, with production. You know, like, Les Binks yeah. is, like, you know, 70s-sounding drums. Uh, the guitars, too. Like, the guitars, like, 
It's almost like the the guitars at that time, the amplifiers couldn't handle that kind of heaviness. So it has like that weird sound that like you wouldn't hear like in like you know like Defenders of the Fate or Scream for Vengeance. So I don't know. There's something yeah. about it that I just really dig. I and the first time I heard Seventies Priest because. I was, like, in middle school when I first heard 70s Priest. I didn't even know they had shit in the 70s until my dad played uh, Sad Wings of Destiny. Um, yeah, I mean, I knew about Unleashed in the East, but I didn't know it was a 70s album. Um, but, you know, I didn't know they had albums in the 70s until my dad played Sad Wings of Destiny. And, god damn, when I heard that scream on Victim of Changes, fucking shit oh, changed my shit. life. I heard it on the way to school, man, and I... Like, my dad was dropping me off at school, and, like, I just remember hearing that, like, holy fuck, and all I could think about was, I want to get back home to my dad's house so I can <laughs> fucking play that album. So, yeah, I definitely yeah. lean towards 70s as of now, but it goes back and forth. How about you, Edwin? Uh, I agree. If we're talking, like, overall, like, what I think their peak years are, I'm with Mick, uh, but I would actually expand it even more. Uh, I would say, like, Sad Wings to Defenders. Yes. Uh, Sad Wings is phenomenal. Yeah, I, right. I, I t- Sad Wings to Defenders, to me, that's that's the peak, and I love all those albums. So I love all their I agree with albums, and I love all their '70s albums from Sad Wings on. Now, if I have had to pick, I'd I'd go late '70s as well, late '70s, because I I just love those albums the most. Unleashed is my favorite album, but if we're Hell yeah. if we're saying studio yeah, albums, that's mine too. Yeah, if I'm saying studio albums, I'd say Stained Class is my favorite. And so, and, and but I've also loved Sin After Sin's probably my second favorite studio album. Ooh, yeah, I really love that. Really, album. wow, that's great. a good one. It's a very yeah. diverse album. It has a lot of different sides right. of Priest, which I love. And you know, really, that's like kind of where they're really kind of becoming Priest. Like Starbreaker is like one of my favorite Priest songs. Right. Yeah. And and Raw yeah. Deal, and there's just a lot of really great tracks on that album. And even like stuff like uh, Last Rose of Summer is so different. And I love it. This beautiful ballad. And I was thinking so about the 70s, you had those moments where, like, they still had, like, that weird song that was kind of out of place, but it's kind of cool, though, because it's something unique to the 70s priest. Yeah, I really dig that shit. And just for the record, uh, I just want to say, now, I love all the voices of Rob Halford. I do love the piercing vocals now. I mean, yeah. I, I mean, I love early, like, uh, Merciful Fate. So, like, my ears, Same. My ears have evolved. <laughs> It's just like scotch yeah. or whiskey, you know, you can acquire taste for things. And it's funny because I listen to a lot of music. I mean, I like, love a lot of different types of music, but I can listen to stuff that's more ultra metal now as an older person than when I was younger, which seems a little odd to me, but, you know, because I think most people, it's kind of probably the other way around. Like, as they get older, they're like, no, I can't take piercing vocals. You got a growth spurt. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, here's a here's interesting Here's an interesting question I can ask all of us. Um, what's your favorite, because okay. I've been thinking about that the DVD they had with all the music videos. What's your favorite Priest music video? Because they had some pretty cool ones. Ooh, favorite Good Priest question. video. Yeah. Uh, Edwin, how about we A start lot of with you? videos. Oh, okay. no, it looks like Mick wants to join first. <laughs> what, oh, what no, you guys okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay, okay. I, 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 listen, all I'm going to say... It's, let's, let's watch ourselves where we're going to go here. <laughs> but, 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 and there's nothing wrong with it, as Jerry Seinfeld once famously said. <laughs> there's nothing wrong with it. I know but where this I, is going. <laughs> okay, my favorite video is Hot Rockin'. Hell yeah! I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> Everyone goofs yeah. up because of the beginning, but they they forget about the ending of it, where everything's on fire and shit. Right. It's, it's right. just it's everything it, because it's so <laughs> distinctly 
Rob and Priest, and it's ultra gay and it's ultra <laughs> and it's ultra rocking. To me, rock and roll is about being yourself and not giving a fuck. Yeah, it's freedom. Yeah, fuck freedom. yeah. And hot rocking, both the song and the video, just to me that like that's that's just Judas Priest not giving a fuck. They're just being oh, yeah. right. and they're having fun and there's humor and it's campy and it's you know it's everything <laughs> all the time. So I, I just yeah I gotta go hot rocking is my favorite video. Nice. That's Mark, a great video. <laughs> what about you? What about you, Mick? <laughs> yeah. Oh, all right. Uh, you know, I was gonna say, man, like earlier, like you know, and I hate to say this, but lots of Judas Priest videos kind of suck. Like, yeah, they're, they're, not not that <laughs> they're not that really that good. Like they're cheesy you know, though, in like a good way. They're right, right. Um, well, of course, everybody loves cheese. Like I love cheese. Yeah, yeah I just say it. there's cheese on that bitch. If there was no <laughs> cheese, it was <laughs> <laughs> right. I like uh, right, right, right. Free Wheel Burning has a pretty cool video. The, yeah, the, that's a cool deal. Free Wheel Burning's awesome with the lasers and stuff shooting around. Yeah, the pole position game. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah, cheese is good, man. But, but you know, these are my four kids. So videos. Mick thinks they all suck. All right. Okay. What do you think, Mark? No, 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 no. no. I, <laughs> I don't think they all suck. All right, which one do you like, though? Uh, I would say you, the one I liked. It. God, I'm trying to think. I think the best video to me. Oh man, would probably be. Oh, my, probably uh, free will burning. Nice. I guess. Good choice. Yeah. Good choice. Love what bites about? is cool too. Love bites. Oh is pretty yeah. Nice. Yeah. So what do you think, Mark? <laughs> I'm gonna go because I like claymation, man. I like Mr. Bill. I like Turbo Lover. <laughs> all right, all right. Oh, Turbo okay. Lover is pretty campy, oh, fun. Yeah. It, it is. is pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Pretty good. the claymation. I like claymation. <laughs> I used to hate like that, that song. Now I fuck, now it's like one of my favorites. Do, yeah. do you love Green Jello? <laughs> yes, I love that little pig. Little pig. <laughs> Don't boil it. I rub my chin and chin. Fuck yeah. So what, what do you? What, classic. What's your favorite, Eric? So I'm. I was like thinking about as you guys are saying yours. It's a. It definitely has to be a tie because I can't just pick one. Uh, it'd be between Breaking the Law because I think it's funny. They're robbing the fucking bank with guitars and the. He yeah. had a security guard that doesn't do jack shit. He was doing a horrible job as a security guard. He was just playing air guitar. <laughs> um, and then I love fucking free will burning. I love the fucking. Uh, man, that, that feels worth it getting epilepsy over. Like, holy shit. <laughs> I was watching yeah, that. Yeah, I was actually just watching that video recently. I, I went to this grocery store, this Mexican grocery store to pick up, uh, I went to pick up some tacos and I'm waiting for my food and, uh, someone posted that video and I'm just sitting there watching it. And I'm like, just thinking like, man, I hope someone behind me doesn't have epilepsy. So I'll fuck their shit up <laughs> with this video. Yeah, I love it. Free will and ta tacos, good times. Fucking hey, man, that video is awesome. And they just look so badass too. Like the Fairs of Fate was like the peak of them looking just fucking total badass, you know. Well, I think that's right. their '80s peak all around. Yeah, you know, oh, agree. Oh, for sure. Yeah, that, that's I'll my say, man. that's my favorite '80s album is actually Defenders. Yeah. My, my that was wow, my okay. studio yeah. album for so long, yeah. but just I don't know British Steel the way it flows as an album yeah. I like better, but I think Defenders has stronger songs on it. But yeah. it's just the way British Steel flows as an album is why I give it the edge. All right, so yeah, let's uh, mm -hmm. kind of wrap things up here for this first segment of our 50 years of Judas Priest. But Mick, 
can you uh, just just give us yeah. kind of a closing thoughts on Judas Priest and what they mean to you and and how you think about you know how they've evolved from a band where they were then where they are now kind of sum it up for you right right all right well i've said this lots of times you know and like lots of friends of mine including you all and other friends you know like we like to talk about lots of times you know who is the greatest band you know of all time you know and for me you know i love kiss kiss is my band but if i look at the whole just career and every aspect of it the way they've evolved the stuff they have released the tours they went on you know Pound for pound to me, in my opinion, the, the opinion of Dick Twatkins, <laughs> to me, I think Judas Priest is the greatest band of all time. Ah, oh, fuck I, yeah. Like, objectively. I think, yeah. objectively, I think Judas Priest, because they, they're just career, and the tunes they've put out, you know, um, the tours they've done, um, the albums they've released, it's just been done with such kind of glass you know what i mean and they've had their kind of their peaks and valleys and they've dipped a little bit you know and the turbo you can maybe say turbo maybe they sold out a little bit but is that even really selling out you know i don't know but just judas priest had they've like always been for the most part true to themselves and you know and one of the things that i've liked about them is really kind of up until i guess in this modern age judas priest they've never been you know like a band like uh crew to where you know they kind of go out and, you know they shit talk each other they've always kept things under wraps and i've always kind of had a lot of respect for that you know and here i mean what's this 50 years of judas priest and they don't go out they don't play on the same tired boring ass set list you know they're still putting out great music honestly some of their best music they've ever done is coming out within the last 15 years except for Nostradamus I agree a firepower yeah. I, I think we, a firepower is I think their best album since Defenders I think it's better in Pinko I, I totally I agree. agree man and, you know and I it lots away so we all agree I on that I might blow yeah. blow a couple minds yeah and I know I might blow some minds dude but sometimes I think that that's I love that album I think it's their best album sometimes yeah, it, it's up there. It's definitely up there. It's amazing, and that's the thing. And they, even when they play the old yeah. songs, they don't like I said. They they don't sound like a nostalgic act. Like there's life to them, you know. Right. Yeah. And, yeah. And they right. so, they sound just as relevant now. Like that's the thing. You listen to victim of changes, and this is another thing. And you know, I don't want to get too deep here, but in this fucking yeah. crazy world, the thing is, I my love for priests grew more and more. I'm not one of these nostalgic guys. I'm not like someone that was into them as I talked about earlier. Like, you know, back in the 80s, right. I didn't listen to Judas Priest. And yeah, I didn't get into them until later on. So it's not about nostalgia. Yeah. It's not just about that they were a band I liked in high school. It's just the quality yeah. of their music. You know, it's like when you get into a legacy act, like whether it's the Beatles or Led Zeppelin, you know, Judas Priest is like that. And to me, they should be regarded like that. They should be thought of like the same way that Led Zeppelin's thought of or the Beatles or Rolling Stones. They are a very, yeah. very important band for the evolution of hard rock and heavy metal. And they're yeah. still relevant. And like, you listen to victims of, victim of changes and all the shit we've gone through, you know, pandemics and right. and bullshit, right. political divisions and all the shit that we've been going through. And Victim of Changes sounds, I mean, it's just like, Free sounds like they're still singing, like they did Electric Eye this tour. 
and electric eye yeah. it's just like that's that's us all on our phones and you know the the everyone's <laughs> watching us and everything we do and they're tracking us you know what i mean like, <laughs> right we right. feel like like if anything the times have caught up to judas priest that they were like a future right. and that's a fan yeah right it, it, and that song is 40 years old yeah I think 40 years old this and, year it's 40 yeah, 40 years yeah. old right. 40 years old and it sounds it sounds like a song that could have been written now for 2022 yeah, and that's yeah. why I think you. Might, I think objectively speaking, Mick, I think you have a good case. Like, you, I'd say they're in my top five, but they're not my favorite band. I put like ACDC and Motorhead ahead of them. But objectively, yeah. Kid Priest is probably the best. You're right. I'm embracing right, it. right. Just yeah. in the whole, fuck yeah. Just in the whole scope of everything, you know. Yeah, like, who's gonna be made? Like, like Maiden can't top them. I mean, I can't think of bands that can. You know no, and, I mean? and they just—they really create like it's a from a musical standpoint. Black Sabbath invented heavy metal, but Judas Priest perfected Priest, it. They perfected I, it and personified yeah, I it. I think what you said about Led Zeppelin on one of your videos, like they had the risk before Black Sabbath. Yeah, I mean Black that's the Sabbath thing. added to yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, they, right. there's always been the evolution, and yet you know you have. I think Zeppelin and Sabbath are the two most important musically to what we think of as heavy metal, but in Andy terms Purple. of yeah, and the Purple Plato. I hate Jimi Hendrix yeah. sometimes, and the Who live anyway. Not so much on their albums, but if you listen to like live at Leeds, and like that's heavy metal pretty much yeah. in my opinion. But but yeah. in terms of the image, the leather, the attitude, they sang about being metal. Like that's like the thing. Yeah. Like Judas they were, were proud the first, of it too. They were the first band to say we're heavy metal. Like they called it metal right? maniacs. You know, yeah. So right. I, I feel like, yeah, they're the most important metal band. But that's like, if you say you love metal and you don't love Priest, then you just you really don't just, love metal. You don't. You're wrong. Right. You don't. Yep. Because yeah, it's to me, Jesus Priest, man, that's metal at its purest form. You got your thrashes, your hair melts, your if this metal, that metal. Priest is metal just as it is before you add all the extra flavors right. and shit to it. To me, yeah, right. unleashed in the east. And like uh, in British Steel, you could only be less metal than those albums. Like you could be heavier, yeah. but in being heavier, you actually would become less metal. <laughs> you know right, exactly. Yeah, and um, this theory that I have, I have uh, um, this theory that I've like really thought of over the last couple months. You know, to me, because like everybody asks, is this metal? Is that metal? Is this metal? Blah blah. blah. And my whole stance on it now is. Is if it sounds like British Steel, then it's heavy metal. Fucking. Hey. If it doesn't, then it's some, then it's something else. You know. That's yeah. So okay, it, that's perfect. I love it. I love where this conversation yeah. went. <laughs> Fifty years of right. fucking priest. And Mark, any closing thoughts? Uh, things you want to say about Judas Priest? Also, well, plug your your new up crossover episode as well. Yeah, plug right, that well, shit. Fuck yeah. Oh shit! Let me bring that up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always good to plug. I plug everybody. Ooh. <laughs> Even yeah, the plugs who was on there with us. <laughs> the plug. Yeah. You see where I went there? Yeah, I see uh, what you did. Yeah, we had the plug with uh, Nate Pushy Atchison and fucking Metal Mike Tyler from that metal station, both of them, and their podcast, The Plug. We did a crossover episode on Judas Priest's point of entry, uh, episode 324. So if you want to hear our thoughts of it, what we thought of it, uh, check out that episode on freeform rock podcast wherever you get podcasts uh check out our group and pages uh the great the great lee gershman is on there or gisman or whatever how you say his last name (laughs) (laughs) 
I get made fun of that. I have a lisp on his name for some reason, a mental block. But I put Judas Priest up there as uh, number two in my top metal bands. And that would be uh, Black Sabbath 1, Judas Priest 3, and Iron Maiden 2. I know you guys hate me for oh. Iron Maiden. Ooh. But those Ooh, first, but down, those first what, five <laughs> Iron Maiden albums, I think, there. I think the first five <laughs> Iron Maiden albums beat anything in Priest, Priest Collection. That's why. Okay, like, I, 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 I don't, right I don't, now laughing like, haha, yes. I, I, to back up Mark, I will say, listen, uh, they, they're definitely competitive with uh, them on those first five albums. That's all I'll say, competitive. But say, we're talking, they're competitive. Like, yeah, the but, first but, two Maiden albums are better than any Priest album, except for Unleash in the East. I will say that much. Ooh. Ooh. Uh, I, w- I wouldn't even go that far, and, and I love Deanna. Nah. Maiden. But I will say they're competitive. Yeah. But... But I will say, Mark. But yeah, but that's just th- those are five albums. We're talking about a whole career, and that's the thing. As I know. A whole, yeah, as a whole career, to me, there's they, they can't even compare. But again, it's opinions, you know. I find myself opinions. listening to those five more than the five Judas Priest albums I love. So, no, I oh, fair enough. Hey, yeah. fair enough. I'm I mean, sorry, hey, man. So, so. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love Judas Priest, man. But I will say, I thought Maiden was. Better than him in concert to the last show, and now uh, I think Priest beats Maiden in concert. Wow! So that's now he's yeah. old. Yeah. So that's so that's cool. It shows you that Priest is just getting better. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's amazing. Uh, of course, again, that might upset some some people, but I don't know, <laughs> like I said, I I know they were better in the early eighties. I've, I've seen the videotapes. I know I wasn't there, but I've seen the tapes, and yeah, like Screaming for Vengeance, you could see that that's live wise. That's their peak. That's peak Priest. Yeah. That's the peak yeah. stuff. But, you know, in a sense, though, but they're not, they're, you know, it's about when you see them, you know, and that's whenever you're turned on to Priest is the best time. And that's the thing is, you know, as a live act, I only started seeing Priest a few years ago. So this is when I'm excited about them. And even if it's Rob's Priest, it's, you know, I it's they mean a lot to me now. And that's the thing. You know, the Firepower mm-hmm. Tours meant a lot. This show meant a lot to me. And they mean a lot to me right now. They're one of my favorite bands. And they're awesome. And you two, my brothers, Mick and Mark, you mean a lot to me. And thank you so much for coming mm-hmm. on the show. Oh, yeah. Thank, thank you, man. You thank you. Likewise, brother. Likewise. Fucking rock and roll party. And we're going to flip this over. And we're going to be now joined by Raphael and Mr. Bill Wang. And that will take us into the second half of 50 years of Judas Priest. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Mark, you try it. My drum roll from the Simplicity episode. I love it. Keep that. I in. love that, dude. Do it again. Better first time. Yeah, yeah, I love that. Just like, just like Maiden. All right. Yeah. <laughs> 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 All right. Later, guys. Later, guys. All right. See you guys. Peace. And now we go over. We are going to be joined by none other than Bill Wang and Dr. Fuck, Ralph Vieira. All right, everyone. And now the main event, the headliners. Let me crack another beer. Oh, yeah, you hear that. We got none other than two high-profile guest stars, Mr. Bill Wang and Dr. Fuck, Ralph Vieira. Woo! Woo! Gob and bang bang pizza skulls. Bang bang pizza skulls. <laughs> hey man. I, <laughs> I like that new catchphrase. Yeah. 
Yeah, that, uh, yeah, I think yeah, I, I think that should maybe you should try that out as like your new catchphrase. You know, be a T-shirt right there. <laughs> fuck with, fuck with the narrative. I know you like to do that, Ralph. You don't like to just like as soon as something becomes like popular and everyone wants you to do it, you're like, ah, I gotta fucking switch it up. Like, yeah. uh, like the news. The news was my <laughs> biggest rated thing ever, and I just like got tired of it. And it's like, fuck it. If it's the most ratings I get. Bill Wang, just for the record, man, just just for this episode, I, I have a plate of crab rangoon and a set of chopsticks here because I knew Bill Wang was going to be on. Oh, wow. That's fucking that's thinking ahead, brother. Yeah. Oh, oh, I got a complaint, and only Bill Wang can help me on this. Man, two weeks ago, or no, it was last week, I went to go see Steel Panther. And, you know, we got later late. I mean, we saw the whole show, but we got there during the open act. And I swear, I, I've i been starving. Because I, I got a ride. You know how gas prices are today. Yeah. I, somebody was going, and it ain't close to me, so I hitched a ride with these people. But we were kind of late. We get to the parking lot, and the only thing available in the whole little strip mall place where the culture is located is a Chinese restaurant. And oh my God, Bill, I couldn't get no fucking food because it was one of these pickup places, and there were people in front of me. I starved all night. Bill, get over here and close that goddamn place. You're <laughs> only help, Bill. You're my, you're my only hope. <laughs> Goddamn them motherfuckers. Go eat dogs. Fuck. I'll close that shit down, bitches. <laughs> Hell yeah. Fuck that place. I think what Bill just said, close the place down. Thanks, Bill. Close yeah. the place You're down. Up. They eat dogs and shit. I love it. Bill, <laughs> just one question. Bill, you were telling me earlier, uh, how much hash did you smoke this uh, morning? A <laughs> lot. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so, so it's morning. So instead of your mor- cup of morning Joe, it's a cup of morning fucking hash. In a instead of morning yeah. Joe, it's a morning bowl. <laughs> no, so, uh, but you still you still feeling pretty good. Yeah. How about you? What are you drinking? I'm drinking a Miller High Life. All right, he's uh, finally drinking. Yeah, yeah. I'm back. My hangover is no longer there. I was doing this Thin Lizzy episode, and I had a really bad hangover, so I couldn't do uh, drink whiskey during it. I felt bad. But, yeah, Miller High Life, it, I don't know if you know this, but it's apparently the sham- champagne of beer. Really? Yes. Apparently. It's really classy. I'm drinking my usual Molson, and I ground up some bath salts in here, so I may end up eating someone's face by the end of this episode. Wow. And, what, Ralph, what are you drinking? Uh, no, I know you, well, you don't drink booze much. No, I was, I was uh, doing yard work all day, and... You know, I, I, I was running late, I ran in, I took a shower, I was like, oh man, there's no way I can get high by the time we start the show, but I'm a genius, guys. I stuck pure cocaine up my ass. Instant oh. buzz. <laughs> Instant <laughs> buzz. So, uh, yard work and cocaine. Way, hey, uh, that's... Not trying to be stereotypical there, Mr. Vieira, are you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, no, well, hey, hey, I am sticky <laughs> Let me tell you something. To all the kids out there, if you live in South Florida where it's super hot like it was today, do cocaine after yard work because <laughs> I care people. about you. Your heart will fail. 
if you did what I did outside with cocaine. That shit will kill you. You need not to do a Kevin DeBrow. You know what I did, dude? I showered, <laughs> I laid back, and watched the first Rocky, and, and, and I cried. I, I always cry. Every Rocky I movie makes me you cry. Know, I cry at First Blood. First cold. Blood, that shit makes me cry. But you what? Know, you know The what? ending, man. The ending of First Blood. That shit's sad. I can't the fucking legs. <laughs> the fucking legs, Jimmy. The fucking legs. Hey, that's pretty good. Uh, <laughs> you know what made me cry was, you know, when he's like, Adrian! Adrian! And then she gets in the ring, and when he finally sees her, the first thing he says is, where's your hat? That made me cry. <laughs> And then she says she loves him, and it's beautiful, and we all think, wouldn't it, great, wouldn't it be great if we all had an Adrian? You know, it's it's wonderful. It's a beautiful story. Every rock, but I'm an easy mark when it comes to Rocky. I mean, even Rocky Five makes me cry. When, you know, when Mickey I says, get up, you son of a bitch, yeah. that makes me cry. Because Mickey loves you. I love Rocky Five. It's my least favorite, but I still love it. Yeah, I, 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 the Don King character was a little too fucking much, though. Yeah, he was very cartoonish, as it's I did in the video, yeah. but, but still, that's true. Fight, man, that was balling. <laughs> it was fucking awesome. Oh. First oh. rock. Yeah, I know. Yes. Edwin said, I watched that whole thing, Edwin. I appreciate it. Edwin that. did a six-hour thing on Rocky, <laughs> and and I will agree on some things. One, that Rocky Two is definitely the best fight out of all of them. Yeah, but, my, uh, but yeah, it's cool that you like Rocky two more. But man, for me, man, it's that first Rocky, bro. God damn, he was a scumbag. I love Dirty Rocky. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I love it too. But you know, as an Italian American, I just like to see Rocky win. You know, I want to see him win. God damn it. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> fix. We like to lose. <laughs> Alright, but well, let's go into uh, let's just jump into this, Ralph. You know, just fifty years. 50 years of Judas Priest, you know, 50 years of the bass player being in a band called Judas Priest, and the other guys are damn close, you know, Rob Halford anyway. He was in there for what, like 48 years? He's getting close. You remember you remember those pictures of the original Priest? Didn't yeah. it look like Michael Jackson was their drummer? Yeah, for real. Like black Michael Jackson, not white Michael Jackson. Yeah, that, well, yeah, Jackson 5 Michael Jackson. God, you know, with a big afro. Man, that guy's a dead ringer for Michael Jackson. Yeah, so like, all these '80s metal bands having like black drummers, like in their early days in the '70s. Because Twisted Sister had a black drummer with an afro too in the '70s. But music was just kind of looser back then. I don't know. Did you ever see uh, Eric? Did you ever see the singer and bassist with Thin Lizzy? Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> did you ever see that guy? Yeah, I was shocked. <laughs> I didn't know for the longest time. <laughs> but uh, yeah, th things were looser back then. Yeah. Like in the '80s, where everything got very segregated. You know, things were looser, and I think that is one of the reasons why I know. I even though I love '80s Priest, I have to say I think I love. Yeah, I love '70s Priest even more. I think you feel the same way, don't you, Ralph? Yeah. Um. I'll talk about. You want me to talk about my Priest history? Yeah. yeah talk about how you discovered them. It's very unique how I discovered them musically because. We used to have this really cool store called a Barefoot Mailman that was kind of like a head shop type thing that they sold posters in the back. And in the back there was, man, I wish I had this poster. I've never even seen it again, even online on Google Images. It was a picture of all of them on motorcycles. And it said Judas Priest, like the stained class logo under it. And I was like, wow, these guys look awesome. But it wasn't until, and this was like maybe 78. And uh, it wasn't until the next year when I went to Germany and my brother had, let me think, one, uh, five albums that I played 
constantly over there. And it was Unleashed in the East, um, Love Drive, Sheaker Booty by Frank Zappa, and, well, four albums, and, um, and, uh, Super Tramp, believe it or not, which I fucking worship all those albums. And at that time, I was looking for heavier bands, but for some reason, that Frank Zappa and that Super Tramp album, I loved as much as the Scorpions and Judas Priest. But anyway, after hearing Judas Priest, I mean, Exciter, first thing I ever heard from them, I was like, whoa. You know, I haven't heard Motorhead yet. Motorhead was still a year away from my ears. But that was the fastest shit I ever heard in my life. And the way Rob Halford does the crescendo, where Stan Fight for Exciter, Stan Fight for Exciter, and he keeps going out. I'll never forget the first time I heard it. I was like, no way he's going to top that one. You know, it was like, it, it was amazing when he hit that last Exciter. And like right then, it was like, yeah, this band is better than Kiss. You know, that was the first. <laughs> this band is fucking awesome. And then you got Running Wild, uh, Sinner, Green Man Alishi, Diamonds and Rust, uh, Victim of Changes, Tyrant Genocide. Dude, that album still to this day, I feel, is the greatest metal release. I may feel Judas Priest is the, I mean, Black Sabbath is my favorite band, but as far as a heavy metal album with no preservatives beginning to end, Unleashed in the East is the greatest fucking album out there and the greatest live album. And, it, you know, ah, but it's not totally live. Well, you know what? D's nuts because it sounds <laughs> awesome. You know, you know, the story behind Unleashed in the East was Rob Halford. He was sick during Japan. That really is technically a live album band wise. But Rob Halford did that whole album in one take in the studio. I think it was at John Lennon's house. So yeah. it was live, just not in front of an audience, Rob's performance, where the, uh, the rest of the band was live. So it's a fucking live album. And, and I think it's better as herself. Because see, the thing is, as great as Rob was out of the gate, by the time they did that uh, album, his he, his range was so much greater. Because he could do all this cool, low guttural stuff that he wasn't quite doing before, <laughs> along with the high stuff. So to me, it was like, that's that's one of the reasons why Unleashed in the East, I agree with you, is their best album. And the greatest heavy metal album ever. is because Rob's vocals are like on this whole other level. That it's like the music, the songs are now in like Technicolor now. They're like 3D, as you would say. Oh yeah, the fucking... Unbelievable, and yeah, then uh, British Steel, like those two, my favorite is Sad Wings, but you know, my favorite era is the 70s, but man, the most important albums to me is uh, Unleashed and British Steel, and I don't feel, I know a lot of people would prefer Screaming, which is cool, or Defenders, or Pink, or whatever, to me, dude, British Steel's timeline, Ninth, when, uh, me and Bill are the same age, he was born a couple weeks after me, so that's a long time. Try not eating for a couple of weeks. You know? <laughs> like I'm way older than Bill. So, um, wait, wait. in 1980, me and Bill experienced 1980 at 15 years old. And 15 years old is the height of what's really going to stay with me. You know, and we, you know, y'all can debate all you want because timelines everything. But for me and Bill, 1980 was the greatest fucking year of metal, hands down, First Maiden, Angel Witch, fucking Ace of Spades, come on, Back in Black, Women and Children First, British Steel, fucking two Saxon classics, Wheels of Steel and Strong Arm on the Law in one fucking year. 
1980 was fucking lethal. And Agreed. Fucking yeah. British Steel to me is a fucking masterpiece. Killer, killer, no filler. I love United. He's nuts. <laughs> fucking album, man. Yeah, United We Stand. I love yeah. the United song. A lot of people like Bag on it, which is cool, but I do not agree with that philosophy. <laughs> United is the shit. Bang, bang, pizza stuff. Hey, Bill, do you agree, Ralph, that 1980 is the greatest year in music? And metal and hard rock, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the, I, I was just a toddler uh, that year, but so I was not cool enough because toddlers are, are rarely cool enough to be listening to metal. Like I was listening to Mickey Mouse, <laughs> Mickey Mouse Disco, or some shit like that. But, but you know, when I listen, I listen to the albums from 1980. To me, it's like science. Like, yeah, that's the best year. Can't you see it peaked there? Like, all there's just so many awesome albums from 1980. So, like Ralph says, I always say, here's a question, though. First to Ralph, and then the Bill. Being there, because there's a lot of debate, especially from a lot of meat-headed, younger metal heads now, about what's metal and what's not metal and all these fucking bullshit subdivisions and shit. But in night, like when you listen to Unleashed in the East for the first time, Ralph, were you, were you thinking in terms of like that word? Like, do you recall? Yeah. Did yeah. you think this is heavy metal, or were yeah. you thinking hard rock? No, heavy metal was already a term. Yeah, so, yeah, I mean, yeah, but they threw heavy metal at Blues to Call and ACDC and Heart and the Boston. They were all called heavy metal back then, but the term existed because there is a very popular magazine back then, uh, edition of Cream, where the, the, the cover said is heavy metal dead. That was either 79 or 80, one of the two. It was seven, I think it was 79. Yeah, so the term heavy metal was already around. Uh, I think it was already starting. I remember um, Van Halen was called Heavy Metal on the first Van Halen album. So that's 78. And that's early 78. That's February 78. So that term was already around. It was thrown around here and there, but I think it stuck finally around 78 that, you know, this is a genre. Yeah, and, and, and Bill, you want to weigh in on that? Yeah, absolutely. Everything Ralph said, that's why I wanted him to go first. Because the thing about me and Ralph's a certain band when we discuss uh, everything about the certain bands, it's, it's almost a carbon copy for you, for you young people. Carbon copy, it's, it's a, it, look it up. So <laughs> that in 1980, ACDC was heavy metal. That's just no doubt. It. The fans considered it. Uh, you know, the mainstream hated it. You know, older people hated it. People over 30 hated ACDC in 1980, and you know, it, it has changed everything. But um, do I consider it now heavy metal? No, I don't. Do I think it's un it belongs in the family and under the umbrella of it? Absolutely. I mean, without AC, you can't talk about the legacy of heavy metal. You know what I'm saying? Um, but it's, it's 1980, yeah, it was amazing. And, and did I think of that term when um, when I first got Unleashing East, uh, probably late January of 80, when it came out and, you know, the fall of 79, uh, my older friends got me into it. Was I thinking of that term heavy metal? No, I was not. No way. Um, uh, did I, did I, was, did I acknowledge it? Had I heard that term in the media? Absolutely. It just started coming in some of the, the magazines or whatnot. You, you see that title. Oh, that, that, that looks cool. Heavy metal. No, but did I consider, no, I did not. It wasn't until, uh, probably, year later that I started using that term so no I did not I just considered it just hard heavy 
use it, you know. Did you so. think, like, rock and roll? Like, hey, that's just good rock and roll music. Was that a turn to people? Because I noticed a lot of these heavy metal bands, even in the early 80s, they throw around rock and roll a lot, that term. It was not rock and roll in my yeah, It was just rock and roll. It was rock and roll scene. That's just that term, rock and roll. Yeah. Rock music and rock and roll are different in my mind. Yeah, if it's just rock, but not rock and roll. Yeah, I, I dig it. So, so, go back to you, Ralph. What, so, what was your first pre-show? Screaming for Vengeance Tour, 1982 at Sunrise Musical Theater on a Friday night. And the next night, Saturday, Van Halen Diver Down Tour. Van Halen played two nights here. One night on Friday, one night on Saturday. If not, I would have went to both Van Halen shows. Because I saw both 1984 shows that there were two nights in the Sportatorium. But what stopped me from going to that one was Judas Priest. And let me tell you, man, definitely the best time I saw Priest. I mean, it really does rival Defenders because that was a sick show. But I, I think what made that one even better was I was so close to the stage that I literally, I literally saw the big speaker shaking when he was screaming Sinner. It wow. was a freak of nature, the way that guy was sitting there. And me being so close witnessing this, it was uh, life-changing. I mean, up to that point, nobody can touch Van Halen. When I saw Jesus Priest, I was like, all right, Van Halen may be better, but as far as fucking freakish performances, they're number two right there, like the greatest show. Greatest show I saw in the 80s is definitely Fair Warning and Screaming for Vengeance. Nice. Who and, opened that show? Did you get Iron Maiden? No, we got, we, and here's the fucked up part. We were supposed to get Iron Maiden. When we got there... First thing I did was go buy a Priest and Maiden shirt, and I didn't see no Maiden shirts. I saw Uriah Heap shirts, and then when we went inside the venue, there were people in the balcony, because I was all the way up front. Looking back at the balcony, there were people with banners for Iron Maiden. Oh, damn, oh. all that work they put into that, and not to see Maiden. Yeah, and, you know, I mean, I didn't get to see Maiden until Peace of Mind. Because so. Uh, yeah. so, this would have been, what, like, Number of the Beast? Uh, yeah, they, that was probably Bruce Dickinson's best, like, when his voice yeah. was at its best. Yeah, and I gotta say, man, the, the freakish shit about this show, too, was Uriah Heep at the time had Bob Daisley and Lee Kersley in the lineup. Now, wow. I saw uh, a year prior to that, the Blizzard of Oz there with Aldridge and Sarzo. So on the same stage, I saw the Blizzard of Oz on different shows. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and, that's really cool. Yeah, it's freakish that I saw Bob Daisley and Lee Kurtz like on the same stage. I mm. saw Blizzard of Oz the year prior. You know? Yeah, that's crazy. It also, you say I recall you saying something about something that Rob would do on stage when he entered, which I I noticed too from watching clips, and he still does it. Like I just saw them last week, and oh, Rob's yeah, he he does his thing that you mentioned, and I'd like to kind of hear you talk about it about how he just kind of walks onto the stage <laughs> yeah he, he did it when i saw the first time you know we hear him and i'm like where is he man it's like wow i can hear him but where the fuck is he it was i never seen something like that and then all of a sudden i'm made of metal my circuits clean he just comes like walking out very casual but you know he has a spike and he's doing like this and, and he's just walking like not even looking at us you know with the shades on and then he hits center stage and looks at us it was Goosebump Central. It was fucking <laughs> awesome. And I, he did it again during uh, Defenders. Uh, they opened Love Bites. He came out a little later after that. Out in the cold. Yeah. Same thing. 
Yeah, I remember watching. My dad had the Priest Live VHS tape, and I used to anytime I go to his house for the weekend, I'd watch it. But I always loved that because Out in the Cold was one of the songs that I actually liked from Turbo. But it was just so cool. You see him walking up the steps as he's singing Out in the Cold, and he just like you know, where are you now? And he just comes on stage. You just hear the crowd like, ah, it was so badass. He doesn't even do that much either. It's real simple. It's just he just commands such he has such, such a presence. That's just yeah, so badass. He did it mul- multiple times at the show last week because because he's older now. I'm guessing he needs like oxygen or something backstage. <laughs> uh, so he goes back a lot. Like uh, whenever there's a guitar solo, he goes back into this little room. But his vocals were amazing. He still has it. Hits every note. In fact, he was hitting some notes I've never heard him you know hit before. He was doing like some death metal shit at times. He was like doing some crazy shit, which is amazing at his age. But the thing he would do is every time he went back at the uh, to backstage, every time he kind of did that walk that Ralph was talking about. So you got to see it multiple times, where he just kind of walks out like I would say casual. It's kind of casually regal. <laughs> he just kind of walks out like it ain't nothing to him being a metal god, but yet it is the walk of a metal god. And he just kind of and he just and he did it multiple times. And every time he did it, it was fucking awesome. And then he just, that voice comes out of his mouth, you know? And it's just like he's just strolling on like a fucking king that owns that stage. And that he doesn't need to do more because he's the fucking metal god. And it's amazing. So, uh, Bill, was your first show also the Screaming for Vengeance tour? Was that a guess on your part? Did you have heard me I'm, say that? I, uh, no, I think I'm guessing because you said that was the <laughs> album that got you into them, right? No, no, no. Oh no, that's right. You were you know, that's right. You said Unleashed in the East. That's right. I'm. I guess it was a guess. Did I guess guess right? Funny thing, it was also a Friday, Friday, November nineteenth, nineteen eighty two, at the Cow Palace, and band Tony Hack opened up, and it was my second concert ever. Wow! No that's way! Amazing. Now, was that your favorite time seeing Priest, or was there another concert that kind of that was even better? <laughs> You're okay. <laughs> almost sounds like a historical question, like you heard me say this. And I've said this on Rock and Mail Combat about a million times. I wouldn't be surprised if I knew myself. Um, no, uh, yeah, you know, I always like Defenders more. But, man, I mean, to be honest with you, if I, after I've said that many, many times, Screen Revengeance is just good. I just had a weird... Defenders was just, I don't know, like, maybe it was a time, you know, but... They were both incredible. Yeah, Screamer Vengeance was my first time ever, and it was the uh, second time. Yeah, I've seen, of course, uh, there's you know, that, you know, the home video, so I've seen that whole concert, but, you know, not not in real life like you guys, and man, I wish I could, because it's amazing. Uh, I, I'm definitely more of a Defenders guy in terms of the albums, but, I mean, I love Screaming for Vengeance. That's the thing about, like, Priest is, it's like, they just, you, you can have a period where, I don't know, sometimes some people bounce around from different albums, and you can do it because it's hard to say. Like, there's times where I listen to Stained Class and I go, "Oh, well, this is easily their best album." While I'm listening to it, but then you know, I'll pop on Sin After Sin or Sad Wings or Screaming or British Steel, or any of those albums, and you're just like, "Well, I mean, it's." I guess what I'm saying is like, when I'm listening to it, I'm like, "God damn it, this is like the greatest album." And then I'll listen to another one and go, no, maybe it's this one. And definitely that period from the late 70s and the early 80s, it's it's really hard to choose. But uh, Ra- you uh, say it's definitely British Steel, right? Or uh, after Sad Wings, right? Yeah. Um, no, no, me, it's uh, British Steel than uh, Staying Class. But I like Defenders more than Screaming, too. 
But as far as the show, and, and believe me, I mean, I think the re I think the Fenders was pretty much as good as Screaming, but what made Screaming a little better was Defenders was in a huge arena. Yeah. And, and this wasn't. Screaming was uh, like a, th a big theater. It holds about five grand. And I was all the way in front. So I think that's what made it more special. When I saw it in the arena, Defenders, I was like on the side, like maybe halfway back. I, it's still great seats, but I didn't get that real front, you know, like impact that I did at the Screaming show. But, you know, I mean, it still was a fucking mind-blowing show. I mean, the, obviously the stage was big with the Metallion and the big legs coming up. I mean, that was as good as the show, but I think because of the venue, um, it, I, I like the Screaming show better, but let's say, you know, like Bill saw it at the Cow Palace. You know, you're, you're going to see that at the Cow Palace. That's a big arena. And if you see Defenders there afterwards, then yeah, I can see how they're fucking dead tied. You know, because you get the same impact of Arena, but it was just something about seeing Priest so close at that time. You know, because they were just, and this is, as far as I know, I've been going to concerts in 79. I, whatever happened before 79, except for like Leonard Skinner, Queen, and Finn Lizzy, like those shows I knew about, Black Sabbath and Van Halen, but I can't tell you if Judas Priest was here before 1982. I don't know, but I know. From they didn't come here during uh, British Steel or Point of Entry, so it's possible that was their first time because they were you know, getting bigger by then. Because wasn't yeah. Screaming their biggest album yet at the time? Yes, it was, and it was recorded down here. It was recorded in the uh, same place where uh, no, it wasn't at Criteria Studio, but that album was recorded here. Rob Hoffer was always at this club down here that I used to go to called the Treehouse. They were like, they loved Florida. They hung out here a lot. You know, they recorded down here. I think Defenders was also. I think they finished it in the Bahamas. But yeah, uh, Rob Hoffer and Judas Priest, uh, like up to Nostradamus, never, ever, ever missed a tour in South Florida. I saw both Ripper tours. I name it. Every fucking album from... The, uh, from Scream for Vengeance all the way up to um, uh, Angel Retribution. Every tour was here. Every single one. And I was at every one of them. But here's a question, because definitely, uh, obviously, still to this day, I'd say Turbo's a controversial album amongst Priest fans, both young and, you know, the older fans. So, being there at the time, ground level, and I'm going to come back to Bill on this as well, but Ralph... Uh, Turbo, was it like at the time, what, what, was it like a big divide on that album and how the fans felt about it? And, you know, so just tell me your impressions of that album and then uh, the tour. But, uh, but, all right, here's the deal. It was a different time back then. Yes. Yeah. I, I hated it. When Turbo Lover came out, I was like, what is this garbage? And I still <laughs> feel like it's garbage. I like, I like, um, Out in the Cold. And, and, and I, I recently liked the Turbo Lover a little more. Um, Me too. But it was a, it was a different time. It's like you're, a band that you love can make a shitty album and you still go see it and it still kick ass. You know, I did have to suffer through private property and all this <laughs> garbage live, but and I was all the way up front. I was so close to that one that my greatest me my, one of my favorite memories of any pre-show was during Hell Bent for Leather, Glenn Tipton coming down right at me because I was that close and screaming. Uh, held Ben for leather in my face. 
You know, that Dude. was the greatest memories I've ever had at a pre-show. And, there's something uh, special about there's something special about when a fucking uh, guy in a band that you see like makes eye contact with you and you guys share like that moment for a second. It's so yeah. badass. Yeah, he came right up to me. And started yeah, my face. It was just too cool. And they were great. I mean, yeah, they played shitty songs that night, but it was a, still a fucking killer show. Now, were there hot chicks at that show? Because the VHS tape, there's a lot of hot chicks in that audience. Dude, there were hot chicks at the screaming show, dude. Oh, hell yeah. yeah. <laughs> 80s, 80s, man. The chicks the chicks were looking for dudes as much as the dudes were looking for chicks. It was yeah. A, it was pre-AIDS. You know, there was a bunch of fucking really killer chicks uh, going to metal shows, man. And uh, when I saw Billy Squire and Rat open, uh, I had sex with one of those killer chicks in the nosebleeds. And really? I, yeah, and I knew her for about five minutes. No way. Yep, and then I left and my friend took over. But I got <laughs> I got pissed at him because after the show, he's there with her shoes. Like, ah, I took her shoes. I'm like, dude, she gave you a free fucking you take her shoes. That's, what a dick. That's not right. <laughs> you know? Should have threw her a tip. Not take her goddamn shoes. But, <laughs> yeah, the, the chicks in the 80s, oh, I'm just talking about South Florida. Now, Thrash shows a whole different ballgame. Yeah. <laughs> that that was just dudes at the Thrash shows. Yeah. And, and believe it or not, it wasn't until Death Metal came along that the hot chicks started showing up. I don't know. I, I can't tell you why that, but the, the, the hot chicks showed up during Death Metal. But anyway, but arena shows, I don't care if it was Maiden, Motley Crue, or Iron Maiden. It was full of hot chicks in South Florida, always. always. Exactly better time and bill how did you feel about turbo at the time and some of it and how did your friends react to that album uh, check out the rock and metal combat podcast about uh, right. yeah well yeah, this, <laughs> this is for the for this show though just a little taste <laughs> just a little taste give people this little taste it, it's, a tip. I, it's a retrospective you know sort of yeah <laughs> come on brother it's, it's what i do i promote all the shit oh, um, yeah yeah definitely yeah, it's funny, Ralph was talking. I'm going to piggyback on something Ralph said. Ralph said, I've yeah. done uh, these episodes, these podcasts with Ralph for years now, and we have a lot of the same similarities when it comes to Priest. I never knew that he saw Priest in a 5,000 seat theater on screening, as opposed to an arena on Defenders, because I saw arena for screening, the same arena holds 15,000 as Screen and Defenders, and they sold out both times. And in San Francisco, screen friends in store, out of 15,000 people, there's probably 10 picks. <laughs> I'm going to be real. And Turbo, it was 50 50. <laughs> so it's a little bit, little bit of an increase with Turbo. <laughs> you know, South Florida, you know, the regional, especially back then, the country, like a bunch of different countries. Now it's kind of more monogamous sort of thing. Everything's the same. But, um, no, man, it's just, uh, so you think there was just like the girls in Florida were just a little more sexed up in rock and roll than they were in San Fran? Florida was were afraid that all the guys at the show gay. Oh yeah, yeah. I guess there's that demographic too. Yeah, that makes sense. The uh, Rob Halford must have loved coming to San Francisco. <laughs> he, he probably yeah. prefer, he probably preferred those gigs. I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, the, a, oh, it's the best open band for uh, my opinion. Well, no, Slayer and Ramadan tour, but as far as the uh, era, Dokken opened up the Turbo tour, and that was really cool. Under I really dug that. That was cool. Yeah, wow, we, that's we awesome. Got Dokken, we got Dokken as well. That was nice. Yes, they were great. 
Well, that that's a that's a great segue because the next question I want to ask, and again, just because you know this is a retrospective, especially if, uh, you know some younger fans and a lot of people know because of the internet. There's this you know very famous short film, Heavy Metal Parking Lot, of course, and I'm curious, like a. I mean, it seemed like that was legit. Like that's really what those parking lots were like, and there was tailgating before the shows, and and so I guess what I ask is, that if was it really like that? And B, were before the internet, was that like a known video? Were there like bootlegs of that going around? I mean, did people in the heavy metal community know about heavy metal parking lot back in the day, or was that just something that people found out about later post the yeah. internet? I I didn't know. Uh, it, it might have been, if, if not the internet, very close to the internet. But I didn't know about it back then. And seriously, watching, you're asking, was it like that? I, I, I even go a little bit further. I think they lied in, in that heavy metal parking lot. And that was at the Sportatorium parking lot that I was at because it was exactly, exactly like that. Bunch of burnouts and wasted <laughs> girlfriends and chicks. Uh, see, see what you were asking earlier, were chicks there? That's how it was, dude. There was a bunch of chicks, not even with their boyfriends. they just come in a group. Like, all these chicks would come with a group, like a big group of people. Like, like ten people crammed in a fucking Camaro. That's how it was back then. I vividly remember picking up chicks and, oh, man, I, I, well, I got their phone number, but they got to go because the group of people are going, and they live in West Palm Beach, and I wasn't going to fucking drive to West Palm Beach. So it was always a, a, a situation, and that's what you see in heavy metal parking lot. A bunch of girls hanging out with a bunch of guys that all came out of a fucking car like fucking clowns at a circus. <laughs> <laughs> they all the fucking priest, a, man. They all fit in a fucking car, you know? Yeah, and I they they I mean that one girl she was like she wants to fuck Glenn Tipton and you know not surprised he's a good looking guy so I'm sure he yeah, got I a think lot he's of action. Probably the best looking dude, uh, priest. Yeah, I think no pretty, homo, you know. Yeah, yeah no homo. <laughs> was a very handsome man back in the day, uh, but the I would also say, obviously, though, Dawkins had to be bringing in some women on that tour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, of course. But I'm telling you, the uh, uh, Defenders was full of chicks and they had kickaxe open. You know, they, <laughs> oh, I fucking love kickaxe. They didn't win, but they didn't bring not even one chick. You know, I remember back then there was a lot of chicks into KK. You know, KK was the, like a donkey guy. Even like until he got that fucking perm. Yeah, that's by Turbo. But but if you look at like Defenders era, and I mean there were hit paraders that he was the center for. Or yeah, I remember he made uh, covers. He was known as the hot dude by the chicks back then. But that one girl was a fucking anomaly, saying Ah, Tipton, I want to fuck. <laughs> well, maybe by Turbo that you know it shifts because of the perm. But before the perm, I'm telling you, he was the, the hot dude in the band, in the magazines. And I knew many girls that were just had serious crap. Because if you really look at the timeline, KK kind of looked like Vince Neil at the time. Yeah. With the platinum blonde hair. And the chicks were into Vince and the chicks were into KK. Yeah, you like the blonde hair. Yeah, yeah like the blonde that. Dudes, man. Of course, there was that one girl in the heavy metal parking lot that wants to jump Rob Halford's bones as well. <laughs> yeah, oh man. <laughs> Big Robbie into that. I think Bill kind of already answered the question, so we already know that the parking lot wasn't quite like heavy metal parking lot in terms of the girls in San Fran, <laughs> right? Uh, well, yeah, it was exactly... It, actually, the concert was in Oakland. Yeah. And, and like I said, by the time Turbo came out, that's it. Oh. Definitely, and that was also the Dokken also played as well. So I, I reckon but, they bring in Dokken. 
they're less uh, adult and less aggressive, less panic, less weird. Talking about they weren't singing about genocide, the first, you know, you know that sort of shit. They were singing about final time. Yeah, and so and you guys were both at the Painkiller shows. Uh, Bill, who uh, opened up for the Painkiller uh, tour? If I, refresh my memory. It was Megadeth and Testament. Wow. Megadeth. Right. Was that the show where the whole the was that the tour where everything went down with the the subliminal message bullshit? No, that was prior. That was between Turbo and Ram It Down. Ah, uh, yeah, Ram It Down was after the whole. Well, no, I'm talking about the Suicide Kids. Yeah, yeah. The, the PMRC was like even sooner than that, in '85 maybe. Yeah, and but um, yeah the. Uh, it was before Ram It Down. Before the Ram It Down album came out. Uh, after the touring cycle of Turbo is when they went to port. I, and you know what I did back then? Was I had a VCR and I, every time NBC News, I'd record it because it was a daily fucking thing. Yeah. And on YouTube, Ralph Vieira's Videos is the name of that channel. Where I did a compilation of G- all the Jesus Priest shit I recorded on v- VHS. And you see like the nightly news for like... Three, four weeks straight, you know, but because they're all little short clips, but you know, you add them all together, it's about like maybe 10 to 15 minutes of, yeah, you know, the, the having Rob sing in court and, yeah, and all that crazy shit. I, I was there, man, recording that shit on the VCR every fucking day. And my wife loves it when I listen to the Stained Class album because I do a bunch of shit around the house because, like, that album, it's just like I keep hearing the do it. It's like, oh, I need to need to do the dishes. Oh, I need to vacuum. Yeah, <laughs> I need I, to do it. I got out of that is doing clean your toilet and your bathroom. Yeah, <laughs> I always end up cleaning that fucking bathroom, man. Yeah, I'll I'll even clean it twice because freaking Rob Hopper just tells me to. Well, yeah, or, it's there's stained porcelain in there, so rub <laughs> it down. That's very funny. All right, so okay, so let's uh, talk about just overall Ralph. Thinking about this band and what they meant and and what you know and how they're still hanging in there now. I mean, what do you think about Priest now? And I know you don't consider them right. Like this is not true Priest. This is essentially Rob's Priest, the way that KK Priest is like KK's Priest. Is that kind of how you think of them? Yeah, but you know, I, I know I'm going to sound like, and I am. I am the get off your lawn guy because <laughs> I grew up with KK and Glenn. That to me was as, as, as important as fucking uh, Rob Halford. Yeah, I love those two. I love Ian Hill. I love Dave Holland, but no, it was Glenn Tipton. You know the other two. I, I'm telling you, they're replaceable. You know Ian Hill. I love Ian Hill. Don't get me wrong, but if he was to leave and just Rob be there, they ain't gonna sell no less tickets. You know, and Ian Hill's awesome, but he's not a focal point. And he makes himself not a focal point. He'll he'll just stay behind in the speaker. He'll never walk to the front stage and go back and rock back and forth all night, which I think is awesome. I love his rock. He still does it. He still does it. I forget sometimes he's on stage and I'm like, wait, who the fuck's that guy with the beard? Oh, that's Ian Hill. I forgot they got a bass player. (laughs) Yeah, and uh, but uh, it's dude to me, man, not having. Dude, not having KK there was already bad enough for me. I love Faulkner, but it's... I'm, dude, I was there. It's hard to explain, but you need to live those years, worship these people, and then all of a sudden it's like... To me, it's like ACDC without Angus. 
You know, it really is. It's like you got your Brian Johnson there, but you need Angus. Angus, to me, is like the KK Tipton, and both of them are gone. That kills me now. One of the greatest uh, set lists I've ever seen Priest do was without them the last time they were here. I went with Ian, and it was it was a phenomenal show. But did I walk out thinking I just saw Jesus Priest? No, I didn't, because it's this... Uh, I don't know. It's you know, get off my lawn, dude, type thing. Because <laughs> I grew up on that shit, and when I think of Judas Priest, I don't think of just Rob Alford, and I definitely don't think of Rob Alford and Ian Hill. You know, I think of you know, I think of Les Binks a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I love Les Binks. That's that's my favorite drummer. But I never got to. Yeah, he's my favorite Priest drummer. But I never got to see him. But you know, Les Binks to me was uh, up there. You know, as important. Uh, look, in retrospect, as a music listener, but not as a concert goer. You know, as a concert goer, it was Glenn, KK, and Rob. And to me, if you don't have all three, it's not legitimate. It's a kick-ass band to go see. But like, let's say 50 years from now, I'll still be alive. I'll be 153. <laughs> and uh, and 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 I meet somebody like in this 50s that says to me. Oh, yeah, I saw Judas Priest on the Firepower Tour. Like, oh, you didn't see him before that? You didn't see him before Redeemers? You didn't see at least Angel Retribution? Then, no, you didn't really see Priest, dude. You saw some kick-ass shows, but it wasn't Priest. And then, if that person says to me, no, you're wrong, that was Priest, I will say, get off my lawn! <laughs> yeah. Bill, uh, what do you think of Priest now, this current incarnation of priests do you consider them priests no and like most stuff that i talk about uh about bands that you know ralph both uh yes. the both of us uh no they're not priests and, and i'm gonna say if you never saw judas priest from defenders of the faith prior you didn't see real judas priest well, so well, well bill i don't want to cut you off I will say you still saw Priest, but you didn't see that Priest, you know? Yeah, because time in their at least early 30s, late 20s, totally different ballgame. Yeah, they were the best. To me, live, they they never stopped screaming and defending. All great uh, shows, but brother, screaming and defending I'm on the one too with you, brother. Get off our lawn, bitch! Bam, bam, bam! <laughs> yeah! <laughs> <laughs> pizza skull! <laughs> But w would you both agree that, at very least, so they're like a good tribute act to celebrate oh, Priest? As I said, better than Scad Kiss. No, no, as I said, it's a kick-ass show. You yep. will see a kick-ass show. But, I mean, if you were my age and you were there at Sunrise and Sportatorium for those two shows, you know that you didn't just see legitimate Jesus. You know? Yeah. It, uh, any, uh, well, Bill, we'll go to you and then uh, finally to you, Ralph, just to kind of get any closing opinions of what Priest has meant to you uh, over the years and, you know, just, just any last things you'd like to add or say about Judas Priest and your history and, you know, relationship with the band. Yeah, absolutely. Judas Priest was, they were so important to me um, because everything was in real time. Um, a matter of fact, the very first Judas Priest album I bought when it was literally brand new within days of its release was Scream Prevention. Uh, all the other ones I got, you know, 
weeks or even months and uh, uh, unleashed in the East is case. But uh, I think they're the, the second most important band in the history of heavy metal. Um, I think it's, I always wonder when Iron Maiden superseded them as the second biggest uh, uh, heavy metal band in the world, Metallica being uh, number one in 2022. Uh, that's kind of an interesting uh, conversation when that, when that happened. You know, um, there's so many different eras of so many different sounds. My favorite is obviously, uh, uh, you know, late 70s, the very, very early 80s. Um, I love them. I, 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 unfortunately, I, I haven't saw and seen them. Uh, they played on the, the, the latest record more than once around here, and I just didn't have the, uh, I just lazy. It's like, ah, I saw Scream for Engine. I saw Defenders of the Fate. Enough. You know what I'm saying? So I, I will love them until the day I'm dead, and they're my third favorite band ever. Wow. Yeah. Awesome. Well said, Bill. And Ralph, uh, throwing it back to you closing thoughts and you know opinions and reflections on what priests are to you um they are very extremely important to the soundtrack of my life uh definitely in my top five bands of all time um they mean everything to me i mean um and you know i mean i forgive them i forgive them for turbo and and i forgive them for the ripper years and 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 you know and and I'll still go see them, but it's hard for me to forgive, and I'll go on both ends, for them not letting KK back, especially that Glenn's not there. It drives me nuts. Now, I know KK deserves some of it, because, you know, you, KK can badmouth the band all they want, but man, when he badmouth the manager, that's it. That's fucked, because, you know, she's the Yoko Ono of Jesus Priest. Quite <laughs> Yeah. That Jane, shit, she's a, she's a Sharon Osbourne to me, but you know they're pretty wise where you don't really hear much about her. But she is a lot to blame for current Judas Priest not to let KK back in. You know, it's like KK would do it in a heartbeat and he would behave. And I know they would, I know they know this, but it, I'll still go see them. But my heart's broken. My heart's broken not to see KK there. You know. Yeah, yeah, I hear you, man. And so, real quick, too, before uh, before we end the segment, we still got a little bit of time, uh, Ralph. Because I I love the story. Uh, would you be able to tell the story of when you first got British Steel on vinyl as a little kid? Because I, I, I don't know, I just love the story. I think it'd be a great way to end the episode. Yeah, it was. Um, I drove my bike like a good hour and a half here in my old house where I live again, um, and uh, I. Pedaled my ass in this store that was uh, it was called Treasury, and I bought it there. And I'm pedaling back, but I stopped. There's this canal. I stopped my bike. I got off the bike, took the album out of the bag, and started looking at it. And looking at the titles: Metal God, Grinder, Breaking the Law, Stealer. And I I, I just had to jump right back on my bike. It was like I, I didn't. I wanted to rest, but I was like I can't. So I you know I pedaled my ass home and I put it on and. And yeah, like the song titles are so awesome, but the actual songs are even better. Yeah, yeah, that's, it, that's my favorite. You know, I've said before, like it's just like I love the way it it flows. Like Defenders of Faith may have like you know, in my opinion, it may have like better songs, but just the way British Steel flows together as an album and like 
it's not a concept album, but it's almost like a concept because it's like a whole, it's like an ex, like this whole adventure you go on with that album with all the sound effects and all that cool stuff. It's just, it's an experience listening to it and just flows so perfectly. I gotta hear it from beginning to end. It's amazing. Yeah, but for me, dude, the way that album ends uh, with uh, the Rage and Steeler, uh, those two songs alone, I don't think Judas Priest ever done any songs as cool as that since. But that's my opinion. Those yeah. songs are just so fucking awesome. The whole album's awesome, but the way they ended, they started really strong, but they ended even stronger. Yeah. Steeler, holy fuck, man. The way they trade off solos at the end and that driving beat and those fucking lyrics with Kiss of Judas Spider-like. Come on, man. That, sh- that band is the shit, man. They are Hell the- yeah. They deserve the title. They deserve the title and fuck Iron Maiden. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, yeah fuck Iron Maiden. Sorry, Stephen Kirsch. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Mr. Vieira and Mr. Wang. You two guys are awesome. Thank you for re, re- you know sharing and you know I know a lot of this stuff is still brought up. You can hear on past episodes of the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast, so definitely check out those past episodes. You can, you know you can listen to them multiple times, just like Judas Priest albums. You know they're damn and, right. They're rock and roll. Plus, there was also the Metal Dungeon that uh, you guys both were on when you uh, did Stained Class, and you were saying earlier, Eric, you're thinking of maybe doing a remix of that in the future. So that yeah. Be- yeah. Fixing the audio up and some bells and whistles to it. And so thank you, thanks so much, Bill. And uh, Ralph, with your channel, anything exciting or new you'd like to plug or talk about upcoming or with your bands or anything? Uh, oh, I got a funny story. I, I got hired to be in a yacht rock band. Oh, you got the job. Oh, did you get the job? Yes. But <laughs> I got home and they gave me a list of songs to learn. One of the songs is Your Love Is Driving Me Crazy by Sammy Hagar. Oh, oh. I called the drummer and I said, listen, I can't do the song for religious purposes. I can't, you know? And he said, well, dude, let me talk. You know, he's got to talk to the captain of the Yacht Rock Band, you know, the leader. So he called them and then the drummer called me back saying, dude, you have to do it or you can't be in the band. So, man, I was I was this close. To be in a yacht rock band, but Sammy fucked it up for me, just like he did to Van Halen. Oh, fuck Sammy Hagar, <laughs> man! That guy just ruins everything good. Yeah, he fucked me up, but I, I'm not. This ain't no promise, but you know, me and Charlie Hill, the great Charlie Hill, is an amazing guitar player. Charlie we're, Hill. We're talking today, and we may do something. Because you might create your own yacht uh, rock band. Maybe. Hell yeah. Or a cover band, whatever. The thing is that. I've been seeing my friend's band play restaurants and these little fucking dive bars. I want to do that. I don't want to play a club. I, I, I'm, I have this weird thing that I want to play in front of, you know, just people going out to get a drink. They didn't come to see us. We're just there. So uh, me and Charlie, we're going to see if we can. I mean, it, it's the infant stage. We just talked about it, and I want to talk to this bass player I know, and let's hope it happens. So you want to be like the Blues Brothers, like when they play that, you know, like that, that country place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want chicken wire in front of me and everything, you know. <laughs> that way when everybody's there and they want to hear some yacht rock shit, I'll throw out nuns have no fun. So <laughs> they can start throwing fucking uh, bottles at us. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, it's just this new phase because, you know, I'm, I'm old as fuck, dude. No offense, Bill, but I'm old as fuck. <laughs> and, and, you know, I just, I, I want to do some mellow shit. I just want to do some mellow. I mean, I nobody really knows what I sing like because I sing like a fucking angel on fire on my 
official recordings, but I can do like Love is Like Oxygen. I did Love is Like Oxygen. I did um, uh, I Want to Kiss You All Over. I did Hot Child in the City. And uh, I can't remember who did the song, but you know that song that's um, uh, My Heart is on Fire. Well, I, I, I did those and I nailed it, man. I fucking nailed it. I got the gig. And I was happy about it, but then fucking Sammy, bro. Yeah, what a fucking dick. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, so it's important to have your, you know, it's important to have your dignity, Ralph, because you, you know, and, you know, you got, you got your beliefs and, you know, you believe in hating Sammy Hagar, so you couldn't do that. So. I can't do it, man. And it's, <laughs> it's also like, look, you know, um, I don't know. It's, it, I guess you, yeah, you can say it's dignity. I didn't do it. <laughs> Dude, I mean, I can't do it. Yeah. I hear if you sing Sammy Hagar songs, you instantly become a virgin again. <laughs> you lose your dick. That's what happens. <laughs> and you know, it's not that you become a virgin. You're forced to not get laid anymore by losing your dick singing that shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, I oh. think on that note, uh, it's awesome. Again, guys, thank you so much. So awesome. Of course, we want you back. You know, back on again for future episodes. And just thanks again. You're awesome. It's so great. You got to actually experience real Judas Priest. And at their peak, both of you. And that's not something that uh, some of us younger people can say. So, yeah, you definitely, you lived the myths and experienced the myths while they were happening. While these gods were walking their earth and, you know, being, the, they were fucking metal gods. And you witnessed yeah, right. the metal gods. And that's an amazing thing. Well, yeah. welcome. I, I uh, love you guys. And whenever you need me, I'm on the show. Okay, th yeah, thanks yeah, a lot, bro. Ralph. Thanks a lot, Thank Bill. Thank you, Ralph. Thank you, Bill. All right, Bill. Hey, Dilly D, Bang Bang Pizza Skull. <laughs> Dude, give us a loud, loud bam, bam, bam. Yeah, give us a really loud one, Bill. Edwin and Eric. Eric and Edwin. They don't give a fuck. They just want to rock. Yeah. Do the bang, bang. Bam, bam, bam. Give Pizza me Skull. Bam. Pizza Skull. Awesome. I loved it. Awesome. clicks. Thank That's you so thing. much, guys. Later. Rock Later, on. Later, guys. Smack them, guys. Bye.